Now, uh, help me out, Blaster. Transform and play something uh, nice. And now, a nice and nifty musical selection for easy listening. <laughs> Hold on to your dancing shoes and go, man, go! One shall stand, one shall fall. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall, a Transformers TCG podcast broadcasting live from an underground bunker in the middle of the murky Midlands. I want to boot some Decepticon right in his turbocharger. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down, cliff jumper. Wow. Seriously, put that gun down. You're going to kill somebody in this studio. Goodness. Right. Anyway, I'm your uh, host, Lee, from Blue Top Productions. And uh, today, I have a motley crew of people to talk everything about Transformers the TCG. That's right. The trading card game based on the cartoon from the 80s. This podcast will talk about news about the Transformers the TCG, new releases, deck profiles, and stuff that's happening in the community. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. One shall stand, one shall fall. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of One Shall Stand, One Shall Fall, the one and only... I am the one and only... That's right... Transformers TCG podcast on the airwaves. I know there's other podcasts out there now. I've been informed via Facebook and loads of other things, but I'm still going to have the beginning of it all the time because I just love that song. And if you don't love that song, then, well, tough. Enough said. Anyway, with this episode, as you can see, this is episode 16. It's a ton of fun because we are going to be reviewing the reformatted set. And with me is a fantastic Motley crew. My new padawan slash co-host slash mentor slash sith lord in dave cook from the energon hustlers how you doing uh dave what's up buddy yeah i'm good i'm good i'm looking forward to this looking at looking at some really cool stuff tonight so yeah i'm psyched but i'm ready to go because it's been nearly a month since we recorded last so yeah i'm well, I'm well up it's for true it. you had you had a, a a podcast off because we re, we uh, reviewed the uh, the first season of the Netflix show, which has been a year in the making, but because of YouTube, they keep taking it down. So I thought I'd give you a week off, you know, enjoy the Christmas <laughs> holidays. And I, uh, I just basically slapped all my videos together, which was the quickest edit ever for a podcast because I already did the hard work with all the videos. It was just making stills of what they were talking about instead of having live motion. But hey, who would have thought that? Thanks, YouTube, for not taking that down yet. Yeah. Uh, anyway... <laughs> um, Moving on, uh, we have uh, uh, someone joining on our uh, lovely podcast this week, uh, Eddie Santos, who is the creator and the brain master. Should we say the brain hive master of this set? He's joining us on this episode. Eddie, how are you doing? Thank you. Thank you, Leith. I'm doing very well. And hello to everybody up in England. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't exactly say brain mastermind, more like uh, just anxiously looking forward to designing and giving something to back to the community. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm going to write this down. Eddie Santos, Anxious Creator. That sounds like a card in itself. <laughs> that sounds like a card name within itself, to be honest. 
so so we're joined with Eddie and we're joined with Dave and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the reformatted set, which is a really interesting set. Like we've 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 covered the big sets of the Alpha Trions and the Ark, and we've we've tr we've covered the smaller sets like the Beast uh, the Beast Wars set. Um, and now we're we're gonna talk about the reformatted set because this was this was given to us by Eddie a few weeks back, and uh, we finally got round to uh, looking at it, haven't we, Dave? Because we're just getting, well, what's the what's the word? We're getting like overwhelmed with people wanting to be on our show and reviewing stuff. It's just a little bit insane for us right now. It has been insane. It really has. It's been it's been fantastic. You know, we we we're getting getting more and more. Um, engagement from the community so thank you everyone that's um offered to come on on the channel thank you eddie for being with us um, this evening here in england you know it's it's really cool um and there's a bit of a, a uh you know we've just had a bit of a break haven't we for christmas and stuff so it's nice to get back into it and start looking at some some of these cards because when i first saw eddie spoiling these cards i was like yeah we need need to speak to him about this and this is the first time we've really looked at cards in detail with the creator present obviously we, we've interviewed where's and Matt for after the event after we've done our review but to have eddie here tonight to talk us through the cards and his his design process and what he wanted to do with with the set is gonna be really really interesting and, and hopefully offer a new perspective on on on, on a review um, episode so yeah that's it, really. I I love that we have Eddie on this episode, uh, just because going forward, we're like we've talked to Matt, we've talked to Wes, we've talked to other creators, and and going forward, we want to kind of do this. We want to have the creators talk about their whole design process and and just get a real insight because you know it, the game is is it's like a cowboy saloon right now. It's open, like anyone can create cards and create stuff. So it's really exciting to get um, you guys out there on this show. Uh, uh, to voice um, your cards, showcase your cards, and uh, tell us a little bit about the whole design aspect uh, behind it, which is really, really good. So before before we get into the reformatted set, before before we get into the meat of the episode, Eddie, in the in the in the my in the nice words of a band of the Who, I just want to know who are you? Who 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 who? So. Eddie, could you tell us a little bit about yourself before before we get into reviewing your set, please, buddy? Uh, Lee, thank you very much. I'm actually very honored, very humbled to be on your podcast. Uh, it's not often I get an opportunity to do this. It's not often I get an opportunity to actually give to the community back uh, towards the game that they themselves have given and poured so much into. Uh, about me, um, wow, where do I begin? I am basically a retired uh, now active gamer, uh, not just playing uh, just Transformers, but into several different other uh, games, both card and role-playing alike. Um, I used to do IT networking for about 20 years uh, in the security department. Um, and when I got forcibly retired due to my health, I got back into card games, play, basically playing Magic. Uh, I started playing Magic when back all the way since Alpha. I've been pre-testing with them since then, I ridiculously invested into their product, and I mean ridiculously. Uh, I used to buy cases, not even boxes, cases and cases of cards. And through that, uh, I actually helped build some of my funds when I wound up reselling them, you know, a decade or two later. After I left the Magic to play Transformers, because uh, when I first heard about the news of Transformers, I'm like, all right, 
this is going to be my first outing to get out of the game. Um, I stopped playing Magic, I stopped buying the cards, I still played actively until I saw the first cards are coming out. Uh, I unfortunately missed out on, on 2018 SDCC, but literally that November I was introduced finally to the game and that's when I said, okay, I'm done completely with Magic. I got rid of all my Magic and got strictly into that and been into Transformers since that day. Even uh, during the heavy COVID period, actively pushing, actively trying to get people to play, actively making content and running events, uh, just to show people how interesting and different uh, Magic uh, this game was to compared to like Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Dragon Ball Super, etc. All the big cards that are out there right now. Awesome. That's that's super cool. I've, I'm I'm just bamboozled that you sold all your Magic to play Transformers, like. Like on multiple podcasts, we've said Dave and me have played Magic. I've kept a little bit. I think you have as well, Dave, haven't you? I've kept my cube. I sold all my. I sold all my standard and modern because um, I played. I played not quite as long as Eddie, but I played Magic from '96 to 2016. So I had a lot of money um, in the game. I had goifs and I had uh, you know sort of digressing here into another game. But I had a lot of money. But I'm similar to to Eddie. I saw. You know, for me, the switch was to X-Wing, and that was a game that grabbed my attention because I got tired of the the competitive magic scene and the the, the rinse repeat and re the, the release schedule for Magic was incredibly accelerated over the last sort of say what five six years. Like it was getting there's more and more products, and I was like, now nah, I'm done. So I sold that, but I've kept my cube because that is one format that I still love doing. I love booster draft and the cube is just like, boom, 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 there you go, off we play. So yeah, I made a, I, I funded my X-Wing and my Star Wars RPG and Transformers and loads of board games by selling Magic cards. So you know, if, you, if you've got some old Magic cards in the cupboard, have a look at what the value is because you'd be surprised. They do fetch a pretty penny, I ain't gonna lie. I was, I was able to pay off a lot of exuberant bills by selling off a lot of all those cards. I have to admit, I've I've recently been playing a little bit of Commander due to COVID, been and having the access now to like webcam games and stuff, and reconnecting with some older friends thanks to COVID. Um, I've been playing a lot of Commander, and then realizing when they've been talking to me, going, you know, that card is worth a lot. Why haven't you sleeved it? And I'm like, well, I'm getting round to it. And they're like, no, Lee. How much do you spend on that card? I'm like, ah, it was five quid when I bought it. It's like now it's like tripled in price. That card's like. I think I think one of them was sixty quid, and I literally was like, "Cool!" and I immediately put it in a sleeve <laughs> and was like, "Okay," as you do when your friends tell you some good stuff. It's the same, isn't it? When you see someone playing SRT unsleeved, you're like, "Ugh!" Ugh. It just makes me. I don't cringe. know. I, if I ever get a Springer, I'll definitely play him unsleeved and go like, "He's dirty. He shouldn't be. A, he should. He was a. He was an abomination." Even though Matafu will always argue with me, that guy. What a what a beautiful letdown. It was a beautiful quote switchfoot right there what a beautiful letdown um but no uh so one more question then ed before we get into your your set a little bit um when it comes to the game then um what was one of uh well because there's so many cards um which was i would say one of your favorite autobots to play and one of your favorite decepticons to play when the game um obviously was official and all this stuff but it still is uh, very much alive in, in the community right now when it came to the Decepticons, I was always drawn towards Shockwave. Uh, Shockwave Wave 1, for two reasons. Shockwave was one of my 
one of my all-time favorite characters, and the art that they use for Wave 1 Shockwave happens to be the iteration of my favorite series for Transformers, which is the War for Cybertron, Fall of Cybertron's uh, video games. <clears throat> and the art that they use for Wave 1 Shockwave for the card game is the Fall of Cybertron Shockwave from the game series. I immediately fell in love. And I'm like, I don't care if this guy is a turd on a stick. I'm playing him. <laughs> <laughs> you made a really dirty, dirty deck uh, around him, Flame War, and uh, Dark Mount. And it was a pure blue mm-hmm. deck, pure blue defensive, that took advantage of Flips and Shockwave's ability to, you know, do damage every time we uh, scrapped cards from your hands. Now, unfortunately, that deck is just, you know, useless. It's compared to what's out there. Like, uh, it is a turtle mistake compared to what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I, th- I think it probably is, but when you start looking at the content, obviously, we're going to go into detail in your set, but there's a lot of stuff that has been printed that I think I, I'm going to revisit that because I, I, I really like Shockwave as well. Like, Claire hates him, but I love Shockwave. So for me, like I'm looking forward to getting the system reboots back out. Wave one shot, wave using the arc stratagem. So maybe a certain card in your set, Eddie, that I'm going to put in as well. So I think I think we've got some real scope to reinvigorate the characters, and that's what I love about this community content is there's ways of bringing back to life the old wave one cards that maybe are sat in the binder a little bit too long. So don't what what you know, keep your eyes on my channel because wave one shot waves coming back, I promise you. That's so cool because it's such a unique card and a unique playing style as well for what he does because he has such a unique ability compared to like others. Like no, no, wizards never really went back and looked at the the whole aspect of discard a card, take a damage. They never went back and looked at anything similar-ish to what Shockwave did. So that even makes him even more unique, I think. Yeah, baby, that's how it is. Um, regarding Autobots, um, I would have to say Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime is, is as over, and I will say that when it comes to the series, the franchise, yeah, they've kind of overdone Optimus a little too much. Uh, and I've gotten kind of tired of him in the franchise. But I admit in the game, when I saw Optimus, I was excited. I was really excited to see him. I was like, alright, this version is cool. His next version is even murder. His his rare is like, this thing is a beast. Why is anybody not playing this? And obviously people did. I mean, rare one, you know, wave one rare Optimus, he was just the nightmare everybody had to deal with. There are obviously a lot of other cards I was excited to see. I was very happy to see Grimlock. I was extremely happy to see how well Insecticon bugs were doing because bugs were always at least in the story and in the cartoon they were a big threat when they swarmed a lot but before they got to that swarm size they're just a bunch of chumps so it's like uh, just another just another Decepticon to shoot and knock out of the side now I'm glad to see it in the game it's like uh, yeah these guys aren't chumps you, you let them proliferate they're gonna wreck your world and that's exactly what it did back in the day Wave One Bugs was the terror. That was the deck to worry about. That was like crap. I gotta feel, you know, I gotta get another raid can here. This is gonna be a pain in the ass to to to, <laughs> to have to deal with. How do I get around these guys? And it was nightmarish to put up with them back then. I want to say, like, I think it, I'm right in saying there's 36 cards in this wave. Um, there uh, are Eddie? about 36 that I call right. Yes. 
Yeah, 36 cards, because you've got three characters, 27 upgrade slash action cards, and then six stratagems, guys. So it's a nice, small, condensed set. But Dave, I'll let you take point with the characters. Go for it, Chief. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, um, we've just been talking about your love for Shockwave, um, and particularly Wave 1 Shockwave. You've designed a Shockwave in the reformat set, haven't you? So l let's have a look at him. So, so stupid. <laughs> I love this guy. <laughs> it's cool. So this is Shockwave Military Strategist. So, Eddie, do you want to talk about Shockwave Military Strategist and why you designed him the way you did? Because he's amazing. Shockwave was, the same. was actually a, a pre-test bed. I wanted to, to, to emulate the concept of them being weapons, but not weaponizers. Because the weaponizers, they were one-shot flips. Uh, same with uh, Battlemasters. They're one-shot flips. They existed as robots, and once they are killed, they became the weapon themselves, and then that was it. After that, they were an upgrade, there's no way to change it back. And I'm like, wait, historically speaking, and franchise-wise, that's not how they worked. And so, instead of going through making a new mechanic out of the weaponizers, which I don't want to do, one of the biggest things about reformatted was, don't change what's already in the system. If you're gonna do something that's different, add something new, but don't change what's already there. Which is why I didn't want to make them into a weaponizer or a battle monster. But I wanted to represent that they were a weapon still. Um, I emulated it around a little bit towards uh, Wave 3 Shockwave, because Wave 3 Shockwave was, as much as I love Wave 1 Shockwave, Wave 3 Shockwave became my my mistress. I left my wife for that Shockwave. I really did. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, honey, uh, you're getting the boot. Here's the voice papers. This is my, my new wife. The way that they worked is that I wanted to him be the, the strategist that was left back on Cybertron watching over Cybertron while Megatron was on Earth doing his thing and Shockwave kicked over uh, all the procedures that were being done on uh, Cybertron. I wanted to kind of make him a, a little bit like Wave 3 but obviously I didn't want to carbon copy it. It was kind of, kind of cheesy. But I do want him to do something a little different and definitely he does. In his alt mode, he has the weapon trait, for lack of a better term, and he himself doesn't do any damage. Like, you can tap and attack him, but he can't do any damage at all. Because he, by himself, doesn't do much. He's not supposed to be. He's meant to be held as a weapon, and that's where his other villain comes in. When you actually flip him to alt mode again, you can once per turn give one of your other characters plus three attack, and that's emulating that they're wielding Shockwave for that turn. If you happen to do that, if you happen to give the plus three to another character, he emulates as he stays in gun mode, and while he is in gun mode, and stays in that mode, he gains stealth. Basically, all right, you know, you can only target the character, you can't target the weapon on the character. So, so no, no, what I like is there's no showing off shenanigans or anything like that. There's no, no cheating extra plus three attacks. You know, it's like he's good. He's a plus three attack weapon, but you're not able to like ridiculously abuse that with like brainstorming to showing off, showing off, for example. Exactly. Like if you happen to flip him out of that mode, that's it. He loses stuff. He no longer gains that anymore. Yeah. He's now open viable target. But if you happen just to just flip him normally and keep him that way, and he stays that way. He has stealth into the sort of your next turn. Lee's obviously very happy that he's ranged in that mode. 
Yeah, dude. <laughs> ranged, ranged is my jam. Like, it is my jam. Everyone knows this. Wake up every morning, play some Transformers, just gonna play some ranged characters. You know that? That's how, how, how uh, obvious I am. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So, when he goes into bot mode, though, he becomes one of my favorite character classes, which is specialist. So, let's have a look at this side. Uh, in bot mode, um, he, he gains six attack, most, uh, and he reduces his defense by one, uh, down to a two, but he still remains at 15 hit points. Um, however, his beautiful ability, which Lee is giddy about. So good. You may play Decepticon cards and secret items from your scrap pile as if were in your hand. Kind of like what Wave 3 Shockwave does, but instead Wave 3 Shockwave does it from the top of your deck. This Shockwave does it from your scrap pile. The stipulation to that is, because it's really a powerful ability, is that those cards that you play that way, they get KO'd at the end of the turn. Any of those cards, be it an action or an upgrade, <clears throat> once you play them at the end of the turn, they get they don't get scrapped and get and to go to the KO pile instead. So they're basically one shot items. Despite the fact that they KO'd, it's very very powerful because there are cards that are pretty strong in the environment right now. The first one that comes to my mind is magnetic dysfunction rate. Can you imagine playing a magnetic dysfunction rate from your scrap pile? It goes away for the game. But I still get to use it at a crucible turn, which you expected it to be gone because it's a scrap pile. Oh, this guy's so I, I love that ability. I love it. Like, for me, um, one of the things I loved doing in Magic was abusing the graveyard. And in Transformers, where you're just filling that up just by playing the game, like, that that, that card instantly says to me, yeah, I want, I want, I want to use this guy. Because I love my secret actions. Claire's going to hate this guy. I, I'll tell you now, as soon as he goes on the board, she'll be like, what? <laughs> But no, fantastic. I remember playtesting this guy in his final form, and the people that were playtesting with him against him, obviously the people who had him were like, I love this guy. I don't want to ever face this guy ever. And when they were on the receiving, and they were like, yeah, I just realized how much I really hate this guy for real. He's not that much of a big <laughs> ass. But that feels so themed though as well, because whenever you were, if you've read the comics or anything like that, like when you mention the word shockwave, like... Ugh, it sends shudders down your spine, especially if you've read the UK comics. Like, that guy, scary as balls. This is ridiculous. Like, it's incredible. Like, the thing I keep thinking of is just because I've been playing a lot of games with Matafa recently and he's been using his sideswipe and how he can just KO equipment and that's gone. Like, this guy loves grenade launchers and then you don't mind if those grenade launchers are KO'd because he just comes swings at you for a casual 10 and then you just go, okay, I'll get rid of one card to then just thin my deck out to get more cards that I'm even more crazy with. I love him. Like, this is probably my favorite card of your whole set. Other than some of the combiner like cards that I'm so looking forward to playing with the combiners, uh, Eddie. But it makes... You mentioned the grenade launcher comment. Unfortunately, grenade launcher is one of those cards that you cannot break back because it's not a Decepticon card or... or secret action oh that's true isn't it so i would be illegal there you go however one combo that i actually abused a lot of was uh the electron visor i believe it's called that the decepticon upgrade uh, armor that whenever you put it into play on decepticon you get to see your opponent's hand i would abuse that big time because i would shockwave that you know that armor back onto one of my guys look at his hand i'm like you got this all right security checkpoint and they just look at me like, you're a schmuck. You're a schmuck. <laughs> I love it. 
You schmuck. <laughs> I, I th you know, just, just the potential to just like play LV Gamma Disruptor launchers from your scrap pile is strong. Um, so, so just to clarify with the secret action bit, so the secret action wouldn't be KO'd until you flipped it and revealed it on your opponent's turn. Is that correct? That is correct. Once it resolves. So, oh man, there's some good ones. I, I'm going to be playing this guy. Ones. I'm going to be playing yeah. this guy. I'm going to make you cry with him, Lee. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we must have a shockwave off because I love this guy as well. <laughs> like, the potential for shenanigans is amazing. Like, serious. Our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. I love some, I love some my shenanigans. Yeah, we love our shenanigans. But I guess I guess it shows through though, Eddie, because obviously at the beginning you said that Shockwave was your favorite character. Then to to create a card that obviously you know is so feels like a Shockwave, like. He is a douche. Everyone, he, I don't care if he's your favorite character, he is a douchebag. And we all will call him a douchebag, but he's a guy you definitely don't want to run in a dark alley against if you ever are on Cybertron. It's just not that kind of guy. But obviously, you, this this guy seems to be the, like your, 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 your showpiece in a way. Like, it's like, you're, you, you obviously with with you saying that Shockwave is your favorite character. How how many iterations of this bad boy had there was there before you got to um, this uh, monster we're looking at right now? He went to five revisions. As the uh, the first version, I'll admit it was so broken that even I said, yeah, no, this guy's gonna change. <laughs> I, I remember typing him up, putting it up in MSC, rereading what he does, remembering how. The mechanics and how it would impact the game of Transformers, and then they're like, "Yep, version two, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> and then version two had a lot of uh, updating verbiage that I had to get right. Uh, version three changed it to uh, Decepticon only cards because the version two was basically any battle card, like play any play any card from your scrap pile. It's like, no, 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 we gotta stop that. We gotta make it some type of limitation, and that's when I saw, you know, Wave Three. and got my inspiration from that. Uh, version Four um, KO'd the action. Sorry, scrapped the, the the upgrade or the action at the end of turn. And I'm like, no, this is still too powerful. We need to simmer it down a little bit. Uh, version Five saw the version where it mentioned KOing the upgrade, KOing the uh, action once it resolves. Uh, and then version the final version was the updated verbiage. I think KOing is is a good way to sort of kind of balance the card. You know, he's incredibly powerful. You know, if this was real a real set that um, Wizards have put out, he would be a super rare. So like he would be he wouldn't be in everyone's hands. You know what I mean? He'd probably be like a convention pack or something like that. You know, he 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 and he's that power level. You know, um, and I think that's justified. But you know, the sort of design template you've done for him kind of follows on to the next character, doesn't it? Which is the, the mighty Megatron. Yes. Another great... Megatron was the last card actually set up for um, reformatted. And his deal was, he's the result of Shockwave. Shockwave was the testbed for Megatron. Shockwave was the reason Megatron exists. Oh, that's so that's so kind because they both battle for leadership of the Decepticons. <laughs> uh, and it's it's also the reason why he is 
uh, also set up with the Energon template because he's the only promo card in the set. Yeah, I, I like that touch with the whole design aspect as well. Like uh, Shockwave, his alt mode is a weapon. And like Shockwave alt mode, he only does no damage while he's in alt mode by himself. You can tap to attack him, you can attach cards to him, so on and so on. But if you do tap to attack him, he's going to do no damage by himself. Like Shockwave, once you flip to this mode, you can once per turn give one of your other characters plus three attack. That attack actually raises to plus four if you're targeting one of your leaders. So say for example you have another character that's a leader along with Megatron, that leader will gain plus four attack and versus plus three. And we all know that majority of times, uh, at least in the franchise and the cartoon, whenever you turn to gun mode, who was holding him the most? It's always Starscream or Soundwave, wasn't it? It's one of those two. And because of that, he always did more damage with him. Or I always figured that you know that accuracy shot was always a little more lethal in his hands. I'm like, all right, it makes more sense for it to be more powerful and a leader than anybody else. If you, that character that gains the boost deals damage to the enemy, any type of any type of attack damage, you can flip Megatron back to bot mode at the end of the turn. So his ability is a little different than what Chocolate was. And Megatron's bot ability was also one that I had to revise a couple of times just to make sure it didn't go too abusive. When he flips back to bot mode, it's like once per game you may reveal an Energon Mace or a Fusion Cannon of Megatron from your deck and put it into your hand. So you, you've got like a bit of a toolbox feel there. So if they're running Prime, you go and get the Energon Mace. But if they're not, go and get the Fusion Cannon. You know, it's <clears throat> really, really interesting. Uh, and when he attacks a leader, he gains plus one attack. And I like the last line. This is, this is I don't know, I like it. And I, For me, it's like, I, I love blue decks. And you make me quite sad. Enemies can't use tough. <laughs> I, I think, I, I like this character just because he gives the middle finger to tough. That's amazing. But also the fact that it's bringing back life in the cards that people kind of went, meh, they're not that amazing. Like, Energon Mace is an iconic weapon for Megatron. Like, his fusion cannon, yeah, sure, that is trash. But you're with this character, you're getting it in your hand. And it is pretty darn good if you build this guy with a few different upgrades as well as this. You could see some hilarious shenanigans. Our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Agreed. I mean, and in his hands, that fugitive cannon is a, I believe it's what, plus one and three pierce? He becomes a seven pierce three automatically. If he's attacking a, a leader, it makes him an eight three. Eight pierce three. It's not it's shabby. It's not shabby at all, is it? Let's face it. This is the Megatron, remember. This is the guy that when he goes out and goes full ham on you, he's going full ham on you. Yeah, absolutely. Now he's really cool. You know, we normally do the Q and A kind of later on in the episode, but there's one question I think is really relevant here. It's from one of my local players, um, who's a guy called Sean. He's also one of the TOs in, in the Plymouth area. And it, what he wanted to ask was, reformatted Megatron and Shockwave. For these two, what made you go down your final design route or route um, rather than templating them similar to Thrust? Again, it was the mental image that they were weapons versus thrusters ramming into somebody you know aiding aiding somebody else to, to become more powerful thrust mechanics aspect is to tap him 
to give somebody else a plus three attack. Here you're not tapping them. Here you're just flipping to a mode to grant them their weapon-like ability to somebody else, or the weapon boost to somebody else. Although mechanically they work that way, the mental image, the, the, the iconic representation of them being an actual weapon that somebody else held, I also didn't want to cheese it by copying thrust ability. I wanted to do something yeah, different. Absolutely. I think it's quite nice as well because with both these characters, they still, because Thrust gives up his turn to do what he does. Megatron and Shockwave don't, so they can flip back. Here you are, I have a little buff on, on your turn. I'll, I'll help you out. But then I'm going to, particularly in Megatron's case, where he can flip back to bot mode straight away and you're not using one of your flips for that turn um, to get Megatron back, you know, and then he can come swinging in for six plus damage. You know, that's, that's interesting. Thanks for answering Sean's question because that, that was um, a query I had as well. We've already touched on why you didn't just want to do weaponizers or battlemasters again. So that's cool. So Lee, do, do you want to ask Eddie about his next card? Because this is one of his favorite Autobots, but he's not really an Autobot in yeah. this, this thing. He's kind of weird and different. He's definitely different. He's a different beast, should we say. Um, so Eddie... We're talking about Optimus Prime. We always get, like, before we move on to uh, that guy, I just want to say, I feel like all of us here can agree that Megatron was shafted by wizards and there was never really a good Megatron. So everyone now is trying to make a Megatron that feels like Megatron should be. And I feel, Eddie, you've done a pretty darn good job at that. So I'm excited to play him. I will play him. So... I uh, I'm 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 happy to see a ruthless Megatron. Just saying, because Megs is Megs is my boy. I like Megatron. But yeah, let's talk about his um his opposite um uh, compadre, Optimus Prime, False Commander. Now, what was the design aspect for this? And then go through like the bot modes and the alt modes for us. I was I was going through a dark moment that time. I, there was a lot of Decepticon hate and a lot of Autobot pro going on. Uh, during that time, you know, we had a through that era where we went through with um, Percy Advantage and how the design team, despite them not being obvious, it was pretty obvious that they were very biased towards Autobots. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting kind of tired of seeing this, so I'm going to follow your theme and then screw you over the same process. I'm going to make an Autobot that screws over Autobots. And who's the one big guy we know that's always thwarted? Autobots, despite them being a bottle of themselves. And as always, Shattered Glass Optimus. Shattered Glass isn't a concept that's commonly known to a lot of people, unless you're a comic reader. Um, and we never saw any type of iteration of that in the game. And that's where this dark inspiration came from. So, so Eddie, just before you jump into that, so what is Shattered Glass for people who might not know that? Like, Shattered Glass was a comic series that came out, I believe it was mainly UK-based, if I, recall, if I recall right, in which the rules were flipped. The Autobots were the bad guys, and the Decepticons were reluctantly the good guys. The Shatterglass Optimus made his way into the normal universe, and when he saw how things were, he took full advantage of it. It's like, alright, I can pass off as this Optimus and screw these guys over big time. And he did. He had his field day with it before he had discovered and his plans got thwarted. But I, I don't remember how long the series was. I do know that the people that are aware of it uh, mentioned that there was a huge impact. It was that much of an impact 
uh, on how they perceive Transformers, how they perceive the world. And although I did use the cliche of the the evil universe, all that Prime was missing was the evil, you know, the evil goatee. <laughs> it still brought a different perspective to Transformers, as Optimus always being this holier-than-thou, almost Jesus-like character. And he goes, "Nope, here's the uh, here's the uh, the Shining Star version of him, the Morning Star version of him." Yeah, he he's pretty good, isn't he? So, what does he do, man? Like, cause I'm just reading the color, like this guy is nuts. This guy is he's meant nuts. to. This guy's meant to hurt Autobots. This guy was meant to. You find yourself facing a world where there's a lot of Autobot Pro cards, and this guy, despite being taken advantage of those cards, he's still meant to hurt Autobots. Uh, his alt version um, is the typical leader truck melee, and he's got beefy stats for the first alt mode uh, 7 attack, 15 hit points, 3 defense. And then his claws on both sides is that you may, uh, this card may be upgraded with and use Decepticon-only cards. So he's not just restricted to use Autobot-only cards. He can now use Decepticon-only cards as well, too, on top of that. And that's like your first sign is like, wait a second, why is this guy wearing, you know, like, you know, a UV disruptor or, you know, this this card is meant for Decepticon-only. I thought it was Optimus freaking Prime. And then when an Autobot or non gas Autobot is attacking uh, Prime in alt mode, that Autobot gets minus one attack. That further comes into fruition uh, when it goes into bot mode. Uh, in bot mode, both his attack and his defense go down by one. Uh, he still has the same clause where he may be upgraded with and used to subject on the cards. However, this is where it gets abusive. Whenever this Optimus has the uh, matrix of leadership on it, that's where his true colors shine through. Your Shadow Glass Autobots, that's only yours, get a boost on top of what the Matrix provides. And that boost is an overall plus one, plus one. as including himself. All non-Shadow Glass okay. Autobots, all enemy, have minus one, minus one blanketed throughout. So if your opponent is playing Autobots, they're flat, down one attack, and down one defense, just because Optimus has the Matrix on him. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, so if I run this guy with Autobots, he hurts my own Autobots. But unless, obviously, you've, you plan to bring out more sh uh, Shattered Glass Autobots probably in the future, uh, Eddie. He was another one that had to go through several revisions. And I had to put a flag beside him and go, be careful how you design future Shattered Glass Autobots just because of False Commander. Because False Commander boosts Shattered Glass Autobots the minute you put a Matrix on him. Uh, and there's somebody else uh, who I recall, he put out uh, Shadow Glass Autobots. And the first thing I did was showed him this card. I'm like, not that I want you to stop doing what you're doing, but please keep in mind what you're doing because of this card. This was like months after I re already released, um, this was weeks, excuse me, after I released uh, Fall, no, re the re Reform Minute set. With this that card, my card and your card together, it becomes really, really abusive. So, just not asking you to totally redesign your cards, just keep this in mind in case people tend to mix and match both sets. Like, I don't want that. I don't want anybody to see any of that. I want people to enjoy every card out there, be it from what set and what, you know, whoever makes it, and to avoid ridiculous combos that may inadvertently happen just because one person or another person isn't aware 
of what's out there already. Yeah, I, I, I really like him. You know, he's 14 stars, which seems seems about right. You know, he is incredibly strong, but he it, once again, it comes back, he's sitting on the SRT kind of rarity bracket, so you'd expect an SRT to be good. I like that you've got the option for future design space with Shattered Glass. It'd be interesting to see where you go from your perspective. Obviously, that's that's some design space you can explore at a later date, because at the moment, we've only got the false false commander but later on you can seed some other dark autobots into the thing and i like you know for me it's yeah you can see where at the time where like there was no point in making a decepticon version of prime because we've got nemesis prime anyway but when there was all that all that pro autobot stuff like press the advantage was an oppressive card i remember when i started playing i was my mate played press the advantage against my megatron deck i was like you are having a laugh that card is busted and then about about six weeks later, lo and behold, it got banned. I'm <laughs> like, yes. So that's that's the three characters. And obviously in your promo set um, that you just released just before Christmas, um, there's some more characters. But we'll, we'll move on to... Should we do the battle cards next, Lee? Yeah, so I just want to say all those characters are beefcakes. They're big boys. And say it with me. Beefcake. 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 There, there's two 13 stars and a 14 star. So you are looking at this, these characters to be like the centerpiece of your like uh, Transformer lineup. Like it's, I, I'm assuming that's what you intended it to be, Eddie. Like you would build a deck and other Transformers around um, these cards that you created. And especially a Shattered Glass Optimus Prime. Goodness gracious, that is so niche for so many people if they don't know the reference. Like that's super cool for us like hardcore Transformer nerds. Like when I, when I previewed him, mm-hmm. a lot of people did a lot of likes. So we got a lot of reviews. So odds are that that Shattered Glass is going to be a future set later on. That's so cool. I love it. I love it. So yeah, let's move Let's move on to the battle cards. So we got we got 26 cards in this set, guys. There's a lot to go through, but but I want to just do a, an, an overview of them because there's so much good stuff in here, guys. We've got generic upgrades. We've got generic actions, secret actions. But then we've got specific cards for Dinobots, for Stunticons, for Aerialbots. Volcanicus, guys. There's a Volcanicus sighting in this set. What the heck? And also Constructicons, Predacons, and Sentinels. So, um... Uh, let's kick it to you, Dave, first. Which one do you want to kind of like talk about and then let's get uh, Eddie's insight on on, uh, on one of the cards? I think there's some really interesting choices that Eddie's done here because um, there's some cards that are arguably designed to counter meta strategies that were like, sort of like prevalent at the end of Wave 5, you know, by the time the game was in its official life, lifespan and just, just before it got canned. So... I'm going to talk about one card, and I really like this card. It's really interesting. And this is Decolated. And this is Secret Action. It's a green pip. And I really like this, because Titan Masters are obnoxious. They really, really are. I think they're really good. And it shows how obnoxious they are when Vector Sigma make the Titan 1 format. You know? Where you can only play one. So this card is a Secret Action. Reveal when an enemy Titan Master enters the battlefield. When revealed, that Titan Master comes into play tapped. Um, I think that's a really, really cool bit of um, tech against 
Titan Masters, which, you know, horrible's really horrible, no pun. Quake, Perceptor, uh, Sky Shadow. You know, there's a lot. Fangry. Of, fangry. There's a lot of lot fangry. of. Fangry. <laughs> so, so Eddie, I, I'm presuming this was your answer to the Titan Master problem, where they were literally wrecking face with that extra turn. Yes, yes. One of the biggest problems I have with Titan Masters are the hit point ones, the grand hit points. Um, yeah. But the second one was the fact that they come to play untapped, and one of the biggest. Uh, features of the game was the wheel turn and Titan Masters completely disrupted that at such a level that it was a major game changer mm-hmm. and nothing was being done normally when Watsi sets up a set with a very powerful mechanic into that set they usually have they usually introduce uh, one or two cards that will help you fight against that and nothing of that showed up in wave 5 no, I I, th- I think it's something we would have seen moving forward. If you, if you hearken back to the dark days of Mirrodin block constructors, not Mir- not Mirrodin besiege, but like the original Mirrodin block when Ravager Affinity was rampant, like there were there was no answers in Mirrodin. There was no answers in Darksteel. It took until Kamigawa for them to actually print an answer to to it. So it's you know I think I think we would have seen this had the game continued um, in an official capacity, we would have seen an answer to Titan Masters very similar to what you've put out. Um, and I think it's a great piece of tech um, and it's something that I'd hope that we'd see some tournament organizers adopt this, this reformatted set purely because it just shows some really good design to get rid of that. Like you say, the wheel turn is just busted. Like, because you don't have any more. Oh, I've killed that guy. You got another turn. Okay, bolt. I'll supercharge grenade launch my one attack head and KO your guy. It just, it just, it quite often left for me a sour taste in the mouth. And I, and I like the concept of the Titan Masters. I like the concept that they deploy the little guy after the other guy deploys. I didn't like that they came in untapped and disrupted the wheel turns or give that one extra edge that kind of feel, it kind of feel does unfair. It definitely did, and it, you know, I'm, I'm sure you agree, Lee, don't you? Like, it, it was power creep of the highest order. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the one thing that I realized, like, looking at the game when Time Masters did come out, like, in the competitive sense of things, you never really saw all of them being used. Like, there was only a few, and you were like, oh, I thought this was going to be a cool, different mechanic. And then a few really came to the forefront, kind of similar to like what happened in Wave 2 with the Combiners. Like we saw Superion and probably Menasaur creep to the front of the Combiners being played more than like Predaking and Sentinels and others. And like with the Titan Masters, it was like, oh, the Decepticon ones are really cool. Uh, you know, that Cup one's all right, but, you know, Preceptor's better. Uh, you know, there just seemed to be... You know, no real answer to it. And so many times I've laughed when I've gone like, oh, yeah, I forgot you have a head. Oh, bollocks. And you planned everything <laughs> out because you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win. Oh, no, he's got a head. And then the head's like, well, I've got a grenade launcher and I'm going to do this. And you're like, you little bugger. You're going you're gonna to kill my big guy. This is so, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk. But yeah, do, um, do you like, yeah, I love the card. I can't even pronounce it. I'm not even going to attempt it. Decalated. 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 There we go. Yeah. I I, I like it a lot. It's awesome. Uh, And obviously, 
yeah, a good good card to put in your set, Eddie. So, Eddie, uh, I want you to pick a card before I pick a card. Hopefully it's not the card I pick, but I want you to pick a card that you, you enjoyed um, adding into your set and uh, why why you designed it and also uh, so a little bit of the behind the scenes behind it. So uh, go for it, bud. <clears throat> I would have to say that card is Arise Prime. Um, Arise Prime is an action card that's uh, restricted. Uh, and it was... Its design was an accident in the making. <clears throat> Back in the day when... Nate was working on the program for MSC, um, Magic Set Editor, for the template for TCG. We were going back and forth between ideas of what a lot of people were expecting, and I had inquired about hybrid icons. And hybrid icons obviously were battle icons that were a color and had a trait mixed into them. However, his interpretation of it was uh, icons are two different colors as one. And it became a joke. It became a joke. I was like, oh, that misunderstanding. And we all laughed about it. And before I knew it, he actually integrated that concept into MSC. And that's why you can, in MSC, you can create one vital icon that's two colors. You have to choose one of the colors when the card is flipped. That's why it's a hybrid. But it's literally one vital icon, two different colors. And when I did Arise Prime, I took full advantage of that. It is the first card that has all five battle icon colors. However, it only has three icons. So when you flip it during a battle, you have to, at the time that it flips, you have to make the decision what colors you're going to use for that instance for that card. The first icon is orange-black, so that they want to abuse of being orange and people able to choose black. You have your choice. It's when you flip it, is this an orange or a black card? Is it also a white or a blue card? And obviously the one single color, which is green. On top of it, it is a Autobot only card and is restricted. And restricted is a trait that I came up with for this set, which limits the number of cards you put into the deck. Restricted means that regardless of deck design, you can only have one in the deck. That is including your sideboard. You can only have one in the deck. No if and your butts about it. The reason behind it is the card's pretty damn freaking powerful. <laughs> what the card does yes. what the card does is borderline absurd. One of your non-leader, non-shot of glass Autobots permanently gains the leader trait. On top of that, it gains an additional plus one attack and a permanent plus one defense. And if that wasn't enough, if you happen to have a matrix of leadership on your battlefield, you move that Matrix Leadership onto this character. He's the new Prime. The Matrix is going to go to him. If on the off chance you don't happen to have a Matrix Leadership on the battlefield, you go look through your deck, find one, and put it onto that character. And after all that, then you KO this action. This card was so vehemently powerful, I had to make it a Star Cost card as well. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense to give it a star cast. I really like it. I really like it because it, it plays to the all us Transformers fanboys who are like, you know what? I really wonder what if Springer was the leader of the Autobots. Screw Optimus Prime. Or what if Ironhide was the leader and not Optimus Prime? Or what if Ultra Magnus actually kept the Matrix and didn't get blown up by Galvatron? And what if he <laughs> caught it, you know, instead of Hot Rod, you know? 
you know, it's cool. I really love it. I really like it. And I like the aspect of it has all the icons, but you have to select at least one of either or orange and black or white and blue. I really like that design. Dave, uh, what are your thoughts on a, a Rise Prime? Exactly the same um, as you. I love the hybrid pip. Like that, that's something that was in Magic as well, like the hybrid mana pip. But those cards always counted as a color, so I like that you have to choose. I think that's a really neat thing. Um, yeah, this card's insane, and you can see why it's restricted. Um, because you shouldn't really be allowed to play this more than once a game, because that is bonkers. But what's cool is you can choose not to play it, and just let it run around in your deck, and you've got like a really versatile um, battle card running around in your deck. So it's interesting. It's like, do you pick it up and do the crazy shenanigans, or do you just shenanigans. let it, or do you just let it rinse around? So yeah, man, that's that's an. You know, I was looking at the card earlier today, and I was like, yeah, that's 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 nuts. So I'm really pleased that you chose this one, Eddie, because it is really cool, and and it is like that alternate universe and then what if someone else was the prime and they got the the matrix and it worked for them yeah i freaking love it now i'm gonna move on to one of my favorite combiners but the problem is i freaking love all the combiners but i just love it because i want to edit the audio clip in now uh i know that for a fact and um i want to talk about prepare for extermination devastated There you go. There's the audio edit. I wanted that in there just before he like blows up the ginormous, uh, starts ripping apart like the the Earth base. It's a it's an action card. It's an orange and green pip. It's a restricted, so it's um the keyword as Eddie said for this set. And it says if you have a combiner mode character greater than 24 stars on the battlefield, scrap an enemy upgrade or do two damage to an enemy. So two things I love to do in the game. And if the combiner is Devastator, just do both. That seems pretty awesome. And this ignores enemy cards, scrapping restrictions, and damages enemies that can't take non-attack damage. To me, that is a win-win because you're fighting something the size of a building. So, so um, Eddie, tell us a little bit about the design aspect for uh, Prepare for Extermination. I'll, I'll admit this was pretty much a cheap, a cheap rip from the movie. The minute you saw Dev um, Agatron say, <laughs> merge for the kill, you saw Devastator combine, you heard him say the phrase, and just wreck havoc on Autobox City. It didn't matter how fortified it was. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter how it was. He just ripped butt and just kept on going. And that's how prepared for exclamation came to be. One of the emphasis I wanted to make around uh, reformatted was around combiners themselves. And I wanted to do specific actions that worked for any of the combiners, or at least certain combiners, um, and did an extra oomph if a particular combiner happened to be in play at that time. That's where cards like this existed. Uh, it's restricted. Honestly, you read the card. Honestly, running more than one of those cards in a deck, or allowing one or more, more of those cards in a deck, was a tad abusive, even despite the restriction of that you had to have a character of 25 stars or greater on the field. Imagine playing with three prepared for examinations and a Devastator deck. 
you're going to hurt a lot of people. Mm. It's like, nope, nope. Definitely. Restrict it down to one. Make it that easy. Don't mess with it. It's just powerful for a reason. Keep it at one. Don't abuse it. And that's yeah. why it is what it is. Uh, I also made it, awarded it, so I had to be careful that I didn't work with certain combiners themselves. Like any combiners that are under uh, 24 stars or under couldn't use these cards because uh, I didn't want to give a boost towards non-traditional combiners, for example, like Dreadwing, uh, Captain Omega, uh, but especially Sky Shadow. Can you imagine Sky Shadow would prepare for extermination? Mm, <laughs> no. I was like, nope, nope, no. Nope, 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 nope. no. That's what that 24 grader, if it's not, you're just screwed. Nope. It's cool because, you know, like, I'd love to go through each card uh, one by one, but obviously time restrictions is not probably going to allow us to do that. But every combiner has one of these signature, sorry, signature upgrades, uh, um, actions, and they've got their signature upgrades as well. So, like, it's really cool that you've injected that in there because it kind of, particularly with Prepare for Extermination, is such an iconic line from the film. And it just, you know... I could just hear me doing it and devastate his voice and Claire giving me the why are you saying it in that voice look, you know. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so cool. It's just so cool. Every time um, I played that damn card, I played that clip. Prepare for extermination. So, yeah, it's it's cool. So, you know, how how long into the design process was it when you when you kind of designed the set? When you decided to go, like, I'm going to have a signature action... And then I'm going to go, and we'll probably—I'll probably choose one of these next. Like, kind of looking at the the trilogy of upgrades that then combine into their super weapon. You know, how how long into the design process was it when you came up with that idea? Instant. In fact, that was the basis of the set. The the <laughs> the signature card okay. for the combiners, or or actions, I should say, was actually the first cards designed before I even designed the upgrades and the stratagems and all that. The upgrades themselves, there's kind of like a long story behind that. The upgrades were designed mainly when people bought figures. Um, as you know, there's the official figures made by Hasbro. And it's well known that throughout the last decade or so, or more, that there are third-party companies that are not official by Hasbro, that they've also designed figures. And many of these companies, whenever they design combiners, they did something that Hasbro never thought of doing. Which is that when the characters combined, instead of having dead space weapons sitting about, they would have the weapons combined as well as a feature. So you didn't have these things just sitting about and you had a weapon for the actual combined world character himself. I'm like, why didn't Hasbro think about this, not just for their toy line, but for the card game? Uh, for instance, like um, when they did Combiner Wars, uh, Volcanicus. And I still think this was the third party thing that did it. They had weapons that combined into a greater weapon when the character combined. So I decided to integrate that into the game as well. And I did it more as a fun aspect of the game than more of a competitive aspect of the game. By all means, those cards by themselves, they're not that powerful. Um, the combined mode is a little strong, but it wasn't meant to be as a competitive aspect. It was more of a fun casual this part of the game picture it like a mini game inside a game because the conditions to get them to combine isn't that easy if you don't know what you're doing 
Um, yeah. All three are comprised of three different upgrades. And those upgrades have to be either on the battlefield or you have to have at least one of the upgrades on the battlefield while the other two in the scrap pile. If there are any of those cards that are in the deck or in your hand, when your character combines into the combined mode, you're going to miss your chance to combine the weapon or the upgrade. <clears throat> For example, um, Devastators uh, or the Constructicons, they have their three upgrades, uh, which is comprised of uh, Mixmaster's Lab, Volatile Materials, and um, also the Titanium, which all three of those cards individually provide an advantage to a certain card, certain character, or to the group altogether. Um, and when they combine, they produce the static, that big blaster that Devastators own to carry around, and it usually ports over a lot of the features from the three upgrades onto the upgrade of um, the combined version of the weapon. Uh, for example, uh, volatile materials. It is a restricted weapon that once you put it on your character, all your construction guns are getting bolt one. Um, Mixmaster's Lab is a, uh, a utility that when you put it on your construction cons, you can tap the uh, upgrade itself, scrap a card from your hand, and add a counter to the high top, to your tower, increasing the tower already by one. If by chance this happens to be on Mixmaster himself, you don't need to scrap a card to do it. So you save yourself from scrapping the card. And then the last one is Raw Salvatonium. Um, it gains plus one attack for every three head counters on your tower. So by the time you get your tower up to like 10, this is already a plus three attack weapon. When you combine the weapons, that's where the beauty comes, comes through. Uh, the Static Warriors Blaster grants bold one and uh, for every three counters on your tower, this gains plus one attack. So on the average, it's going to be a three attack bold one weapon on top of Devastator, Devastator's ability. Which, if you did things right, Devastator would be like, you know, a 10 attack bold two character. Now you have a 13 attack bold three character getting ready to just beat the living tour out of you. Because uh, Devastator combined, he's kind of scary. He's, he's pretty much just like the, the constructor lines in the cartoon. The constructor lines by themselves individually, they're, they're chumps. They really are. They've always been chumps. But Devastator combined, yeah, that's that's the guy you don't want to mess with. You want to make sure he never comes into play because he's going to literally destroy everything in, in his path and pretty much cause havoc in ways that you don't want. I, th I think it's a really neat mechanic, I think. I like the fact that they have um, green pips uh, on, on them. It's... It's cool, you know, it is like that game within a game, isn't it? You're trying to get the pieces together to get this super buff. You know, if if you don't, you've still got the individual items of equipment that you can play on Devastate because you're still a Constructicon. And in the, in the you know, you know, with the other combiners, they are still Dinobots or Aerial Bots or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like it's like that little icing on the cake. There you go. There, there's your big boy gun. Go, go, wreck face. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm definitely giving these a, a shot. You know, anything that can make Devastator not as rubbish as he is, I'm all for. He was he was <laughs> difficult to uh, to make work right, and I've seen different versions of him where people play as like heavy Black Pierce, 
uh, heavy blue um, and I'm still a solid I still make a solid argument that because of how fragile they are in their bot modes aggro is the way to go I think so like I've abused mm. um, involuntary promotion in the, in the devastator deck to ridiculous levels where I made it where like you know I'll type with hook go ahead and kill my 7 hit point guy I now sack my 4 hit point guy to bring hook back I now have 4 damage on my on the field on the you know on the, on the KO board versus a 7 guy I'll send hook again and I just keep going and I'll involve her promotion all my lower hit point guys just to bring hook back and by the time I can combine I only have the lower hit point guys in the KO field versus you know a fresh hook so when the devastator vines that's less damage he has on him when he combines I have literally combined devastator with like three damage on him after he combines wow well, we, we, we need to explore this later. Well, I think we should just do a Combiner Wars series, Dave. I've been dying to do that for years. Okay, Eddie. Okay, you're, you're welcome back to... You can pick them. You can pick them. <laughs> I feel like this is a series. I feel like this should be a series, Dave, involving these. And you get bonus points if you make the big weapon. If you make the big weapon, you get bonus points. <laughs> or it's a mandatory rule. You need, to, you need to try and build it. The second and third event that I want to do down here in Florida were both combined were themed and I never could pull it off to uh, scheduling conflicts um, both for people locally and my own and I want them there just never happening um, but I've been dying to do a combined war theme a tournament for ages mm, that might, that we, we might need to talk then we might need to talk then Eddie well, we, 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 we could probably do something couldn't we we could easily do that and promote these for main cards that have to be included in your deck because these are just stupidly amazing not to like I all all of the uh, the equipment that Eddie has already mentioned guys it's there's one for every single combiner and it's super flavorful it's amazing. I still can't believe there's a Volcanicus one. That is insane. But hey, I'm excited. There's there's one for the, all the combiners. And they all fit from reading them. They all fit so into the character's theme and how the character play. Oh, it's just so good. So good. <laughs> it's it, it really is. And it answers the crucial from, from from our interview with Wes. Where does Minasaur's sword come from? It comes from the three bits of kit that Eddie designed. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. That's what happens. <laughs> so let's do let's do one more. I think I think should we do one more card or should we move on to the stratagems? What do you want to do? What what are we feeling let, right let, now? Let, let, let's pick another one of the non-combiner centric cards. You know, okay. listen, listeners and viewers for for those of you, we're going to put some links to Eddie's Google Drive because he. He's kindly shared this set with the community. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll put the link in the video and, and the audio description as well. Um, there, the, there are pieces of kit like Lee said for every single combiner. It's cool, you know. Just try them out because I think I think these are going to be the the times when you pull off the the um, the, the combined weapon. Like, what, what's the Predaking one? It's nuts. It's so Predaking. I freaking love it. I freaking love it. It's. It's just because combiners are like, who doesn't like giant robots? <laughs> if you don't like giant robots, you're just, what are you doing with your life, you know? But no, um, so, um, Dave, you go ahead then, sir, and pick 
pick one of the cards, explain it, and then we'll get Eddie to uh, talk a little bit about the design aspect of it. So, um, you I go, think, sir. I think this, again, is a... I'm going to choose something that's non, non-combiner oriented, and it's ablative encasement. And I think this is a really, really nice piece of kit as well. And it kind of answers a question that Wizard of the Coast left the game in. It's like, you know, how do we deal with Pierce? Because Pierce is a problem. You know, we don't want blue to be irrelevant. You know, and I think Eddie's done a really good job here. So it's a blue-black blue black card. It's not great armour. Doesn't offer any stat bonuses to its armour or anything like that. But when he defends against an enemy with Pierce, after the attackers flip, scrap this and reduce the Pierce by three. I like that. So good. So, Eddie, what was the design aspect behind this card then? Um, Pierce became a problem in Wave 5. Pierce became a major problem in Wave 5. Uh, especially with the proliferance of a lot of orange black cards, it became pretty obvious that uh, uh, that Wizard had no clue what the hell they were doing at Wave 5. Really, they don't know what, what they were thinking. And I wanted to provide something that granted some protection versus piercing, but didn't abuse of it either. Like, I didn't want it to make it uh, plus one defense or plus two defense or plus two defense or all this. I wanted to be a short-term slap-on, smack, protect versus piercing, and then doff it off because that's it. There's literally a one-shot. There are already cards that already provide built-in pierce protection, and I didn't want to do that again because, again, I didn't want to carbon copy something that's already out there. Uh, there's already other people who made uh, other cards where they had armors. What was the what's that armor that you put three on in one one slot? Oh, Trithelium plating. Trithelium plating. That, that's that's my current favorite. Card. That is like, that is an amazingly this. beautiful card. I will not deny them that. That is the, a disgustingly great card. But again, I didn't want to carbon copy that. It's not not right when you introduce the same mechanic over again especially when another group already touched our subject. So I wanted to do something that still provided reduction to Pierce, but represented the aspect that it's it's ablative armor. It really is only, it's meant to take the damage and throw it aside. It's supposed to be temporary cast off and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what the, that's why the, the team is ablative encasement. Literally after the defend um, and somebody's using the piercing damage, It'll reduce the pierce damage by three, and then that's it. You have to cast it aside. It is unfortunately susceptible to upgrade removal, especially bashing shield. Uh, but it's also a black loop card. Uh, it's an upgrade that you can use for the pips, and you do have some measure of pierce protection when the guy's just throwing relentless pierce up to pierce up to you. The difference of one or two damage that you're deflecting makes all the difference in the world in this game. Uh, I'll, I'll quote Stefan on this. Uh, the power of one. Sometimes that one damage makes all the difference in the world. Lee, what do you think of the card? I think it's great. It fits a, an interesting design space because I, I know in the game that Wizards created, there were those armors they would have like scrap after use, like uh, your compo- composite armors, your emergency barricades, your hazardous shields and stuff like that. I think they're all like defend, get rid of, you know? And it, and it's, and it fits that awesome design space where you pierce is a problem and i feel like that is a slogan that everyone uses because it is it is a problem 
but this is a cool design aspect that you can put these in the deck exactly like Eddie said. You can use them for your pips. You can use them for, hey, you've just bashing shielded one of my defenses away. That's rather annoying. So I'll put this other alternative means to stop the pierce because I don't think a lot of people run multiple bashing shields this day, these days. I think they only run one. What, what, one or two, normally one, one or two. two. Yeah. Re Reprocess is another one, isn't it, that you see quite often? Yeah. Um, like a singleton in the deck, one or two. Um, but I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the healing. I'll take healing every day. That's great. The process me. No, it's a cool card. It's it, the you know the Pierce conundrum is a problem. Like you know you've already said, Eddie. Like at the end of wave five, there's so many orange black cards and so many ways to get like bold six plus. You know like, but blue just became completely irrelevant. And I think you know this card sits nicely you know alongside i'd happily play this and trithelium plating in the same same build just to try and give my guys the breathing space against those horrible orange black decks which can you know before you know it you've just lost two characters because they've just been pierced to death and i don't think wizards really fully appreciated just how powerful that black pit was going to be so yeah you know, is there anything else, Eddie, you wanted to say about your battle cards? Because there's quite a few. Like, there is, there really is a lot of battle cards to cover. Um, one of my favorite ones was um, the battle casualties. Yeah, I love you for this, Eddie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you a lot for this card. Battle casualties was a card that I wanted to make that gave a little bit of love to time characters, um, but also towards combiner mode characters. Uh, also at the same time, avoiding certain combined car characters themselves. Battle Casualties is a non-restrictive uh, action uh, that is orange and green, but the green is um, a hybrid, meaning that the only way you're going to get it back in your hand is if you flipped it while attacking or defending with a Titan character. So it's a green hybrid Titan character uh, icon. And what it does is that when you combine mode, or Titan character greater than 21 stars attacks and KOs the defender via attack damage, you do 2 damage to each non-Titan enemy with lower stars in your character. Basically, it represented the aftermath of all the thrashing these humongous bots are doing um, to the environment around them without any care or any repercussions because they're a bit too busy trying to thwart each other, trying to fight each other, and not realizing they're causing all this havoc around them. At the same time, it made it so that it didn't abuse certain cards that are already vehemently powerful. For example, uh, Sky Shadow and Fort Maximus. Fortress Maximus already has a built-in two damage clause, which is really easy to pull off. And I had to make sure that he was out of the equation if Battle Casualties was played. Yeah, it seems to be very targeted, uh, doesn't it, Lee, uh, against your favourite Metroplex and mm, my favourite Triptical. Mm, so good. Like, it basically grants the older generation of Titans and Combiners with a better better card than, you know, the Fort Maxes. And dare we even say it now, the new Scorponok. The new Scorponok is ridiculous. Um, so it stops it stops those guys uh, kicking off a little bit. And it gives a little bit of the OGs that Dave and me love uh, a lot of love. But also, like you were mentioning as well, combined modes. So like, 
yeah, it helps out those combiners that Dave and me love as well. I love this card. So what more can I say? It's going to go in every Metroplex deck I'm going to ever play. It's so good. It's like, you're because you like squish them like bugs anyway. So this, this is might like squish them like bugs. This is squish yeah. them like bugs, but better. Especially when I'm hitting with Metroplex. This is... Well, there's a replacement card. I feel sorry for that. I really like squishing <laughs> like bugs, but this this card just does it better. Oh, sad pandas FC. Yeah, Go you're, back you're to not the allowed binder. to use Metroplex against me ever again. No, that was a rough game, and I do apologize for that. It was like play, it was like turning up to a car race, and everyone's like, "Oh, what did you bring? Oh, I bought this old banger. Oh, I just built a Lamborghini. Sorry, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be one of those. It was, it was that rough. It, I did feel sorry for it. It was rough. It was rough. It was very rough. But no, I, 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 you know, I think um, Eddie, you've done such a cool job of trying to capture some of the flavor of the combiners um trying to up their power level without making them oppressive as well mm. i like that yeah um and it does seem being a casual player myself like i'll f hold my hand up i am me and claire make a lot of play areas when we when, when we play but that's just how we are because we don't you know we're always scrabbling for time it's normally quite late when we're playing but I love cards like this that are like, yeah, it's going to be so much fun to try and get those pieces of the puzzle together and play your your battle casualties. And it's, it's cool. I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, you've done a cracking job, Eddie. Like, it's so good. And we haven't even got to the stratagems yet, guys. We haven't even got to the stratagems where some of them I bloody love. I bloody love some of these stratagems even more. It's great. Without further ado, shall we, shall we um, look at those? I think I think again. Let's pick let's pick one each that we like. They've they've all got different ones. So what I'll go over briefly, guys, is um, obviously in the link of this video and in the Podbean as well, guys. You can download these. But there is uh, one generic one for a combiner to get enigmas, which is really cool. There's one that is for firecons. There's one that's for Trypticon. There's one for my boy Blitzwing. There's even one for Grimlock, which is the Volcanicus Grimlock, by the way. Uh, and then there's one for Starscream Area um, Air Command, and then there's one for tanks. So there's, there's there's all over the board. So Eddie, I want you to start this round, and then we'll go with Dave and then my, and then myself. So Eddie, you pick one of these strats and uh, tell us what it does, and then uh, a little bit of the design aspect behind it, mate. Ah, then I guess I'll have to choose a enigma combination, which is the okay. the shining star I would say of this set. Enigma combination was the card that went through the most revisions out of all the cards uh, through reformatted. It went through 12 revisions. I had to sit down and power out with uh, Carl, um, known, also known as Technomagus, who is the only person I know who has played the game and has extensively gone through the rules as much, if not more, than I have. Probably as much more, much more, much more so, considering his active role uh, in the community at the moment. And he has been an invaluable invaluable resource of knowledge regarding the rules. It is a stratagem that works with Enigma-based combiners. Uh, it is the first zero-star stratagem. Uh, it has no star cost. However, it does have a cost to use it. The way it works, it targets action cards because it has to have a, a target of some sort. And the stratagem way it works is that before the game begins, choose up the three actions with Enigma in its name from outside the game, in other words, just your your um, sideboard, and place them under this. Once per turn, you may scrap a card from your hand to play an action from under this. 
after the action resolves, KO it. It is solves the three biggest issues I have with Enigma-based combiners, or I should say the Enigma card themselves. To me, combining is literally another mode you flip to. But instead of flipping, you use a card to do so. And I didn't like the fact that this card used up your action for the turn to be able to do this. And I'm like, this is just another flip. So how do I take advantage of this? The second problem that I found with Enigmas was the susceptibility of card removal. There's a lot of cards in the game, especially now, that will either scrap it from your hand or KO it in the case of Chrome Dome. And I'm like, nope, I don't want that happening either. That got annoying. The third biggest one was not everybody played with three Enigmas. You had to wait until you actually drew the Enigma or swapped it from your hand from the, the battle to put it into your hand and then wait to play that. The Enigma eliminated all three of these all in one foul swoop. Like cards that allow you to play extra action to turn, like a Lieutenant Bumblebee, like when you flip into his bot mode, to his alt mode, you can just play an action. This too is an extra action you play a turn at the cost of a card from your hand. You never have to worry about it ever not being in your hand at the most appropriate time, and you don't have to worry about it using up your action for the turn. It is a very, very, very powerful mechanic and is the basis around why it makes all the Enigma-based combiners a lot more powerful than what they already are. Um, I wouldn't say it makes them tier one, that was never the intention, uh, but it definitely puts them up there to a semi-competitive level, especially uh, decks like uh, Volcanicus, which we can all arguably say are probably the worst combined <laughs> team out there. Yes. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think agree. I think Devastate is a very close Devastator and and Volcanicus are in the boat of like depression is the best way of describing it. They're just big sad robots. <laughs> Devastator's weakness is that they're inherently squishy in bot mode. But people worked around to get around that. Mm. It also allowed to make use of or better managing the cards from your hand. You had to be careful what you played, how you played it. Because you always wanted to keep a card in your hand to scrap to the Enigma combination um, just to be able to play that Enigma. I love it. I, I think I think the one thing this addresses as well, which is really cool, is as soon as you combined, those cards were kind of like hit or miss. With every combiner, they had different abilities. With this, when they, as soon as you scrap, uh, you, uh, you basically trigger this ability to combine. You've then got two casually sitting there to either trigger other combiner modes like i'm just trying to think off the top of my head like what the other enigma cards do but it they can be very very game changing because some of them add attack or even play an additional upgrade or draw more cards like i think menasaur's ones menace like yeah so, menasaur's draw cards yeah. isn't it superior superior like uh, hovercraft everybody i think one damage for everything yeah it's interesting it really gives <clears throat> those cards a bit more value volcanicus is a bold too um Devastator is a repair mechanic and raise the counters on the tower, which will then retroactively work with the combined mode upgrade, because the more counters on it, it gains plus one for every three counters. So if you happen to get that to 12 counters, that's not a plus four attack weapon, which is not hard to pull Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's I, pretty I, good. I think, I think uh, Eddie, you said that as well. There was nothing worse than when you're playing a combiner. Someone goes, Espionage Green. 
Yeah, exactly. That 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 is the noise that played in everyone's head when their their well, their enigma got um, counter espionage, espionage, or like you say, Chrome Dome was even worse. It was like I'll just KO it forever. <laughs> it's it. I you know I really like the design of this man. Like I think, like you say, he always he always felt bad. Like I really want to play this card, but like I'm gonna have to play this as my action this turn. And it's unless you're playing brainstorms and you know you. It's. I like it. Scrap any card from your hand. Combine. I love it. I think, like you say, possibly not tier one, but definitely raises their ability to be impactful. Menasaur was my biggest concern. Menasaur, although individually they're not fantastic, um, Menasaur combined is a monster. And the Enigma and yeah. Menasaur together, uh, let's put it this way, he's on watch. These two cards, that that team and, and this card, is on watch. But so far, it hasn't been, hasn't crossed the line yet. It skimmed it a couple of times. I th- I, th- I think I think we shall see, won't we, Lee? We'll, we'll yeah, see was, how. I was gonna, like, I'm gonna say, like, it's okay. They're stunticons. They're punks. They're supposed to be rebels, man. It's okay. Come on, we, we want the we want at least. And especially with their uh, <laughs> with their signature upgrades, um, let's just say I have seen an 18-point Menasaur swing before flips. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah, 18. An 18-point swing before flips. Just wow. just, just because of... Wow. Uh, just the abuse. And some guy was lucky to pull off three cargo trailers on a Menasaur. That, that's pretty That's pretty crazy. Cool. Do you want to go next, mate? You going to pick one? I, I know which one you're going to pick, so I'm going to leave that one. Because if you don't pick it, I'll be really disappointed. Like, I'm not really... It's like when your parents yell at you. It's like, I'm not angry at you. I'm just disappointed, Dave, if you don't. <laughs> so I'm going to pick the other one. I'm just going to pick the other one. Because that I've read it and I'm like, Dave will love that. So we might have to have a battle report, Dave, with some shenanigans. But I'm going to go with my boy, my, my, uh, my boy Blitzwing. Everyone knows my passion over the last couple of episodes where, hey, we want a better Blitzwing. Because Blitzwing, you know is awesome enough said but anyway we're going to talk about multi-changer resilience now it is for a master converter and it basically is master converter costs one less stars so this stratagem is one point of one star you're already reducing blitzwing by one but you're getting this for free which is amazing and blitzwing has plus two health while in alt mode one so that's his tank mode i believe and he has plus one armor to that mode as well. So that brave will keep him around a little bit longer. And while in bot mode, he has bold one. So you can trigger his dual ability of getting that orange and blue and going back to the best mode, which is either stealth or into brave. I really love this. So Eddie, please, please tell me about the cream and purple death machine. Why, why this strap? Bro? This strategy was inspired by Jihen, which is one of the members of the Aquatus team, jokingly brought the subject of Eratogems, which were stratagems, zero-cost stratagems, that actually updated characters to be a little more viable. And this card was based around that concept. It's kind of an errata to Blitzwing, because this is what Blitzwing should have been for the super rare that he is. I thought he was under healthed um i thought that he should have had at least a three defense one in tank mode and he should have at least had a bold one attacking in bot mode however 
Uh, I also wanted people to be, be able to play Master Converter at the same time. And you can't play with two Shadowdreams targeting the same character. So instead of targeting the character itself, I went to target the Stratagem, Master Converter. And it effectively made Master Converter for free. Either way you look at it, you're still paying one star for a Stratagem while giving Blitzwing that errata that he needed so long ago. As well as take full advantage of Master Converter, which to me was an awesome addition altogether. Awesome. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, bro. I love Blitzwing. Everyone knows how passionate I am about the cream and, and purple death machine. Everyone knows it. And I'm going to play this a lot more now. And I think I'm probably going to go play a lot more tanks now that Blitzwing seems to be uh, viable again. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. And um, I know the arc of rumbling and poking me with a giant stick from afar, from all sorts of angles, teasing me that there might be a Blitzwing. So uh, yeah, uh, Dave, what's your thoughts on the stratagem? Yeah, I think it addresses the problems that Blitzwing had. You know, I remember when I opened my Blitzwing, I was like, oh my God, I got Blitzwing. And then I read it, I was like, Ugh. And I think this really addresses some of those problems. Like you say, Eddie, he, he, he seemed under, under health, you know, for his star cost. Um, tank only having two armor when you've got like the likes of demolisher and dark mountain megatron he's like you know blitzwings he's a hard hard nut to crack isn't he so he should be three I he think, should have been three enough yeah. Like, yeah and the yeah just the procking of his ability was you need needed a little bit more consistency with so because if you didn't flip orange blue he was a very very sad panda he'd just kind of be sat there with no armor going what do i do now oh i'll die um, yeah, and I feel I feel like that feels really themed for Blitzwing because he can be a bit of a douche sometimes and go in <laughs> like full steam ahead and not really think about it. But there was also other Blitzwings where he is actually quite a tactician and smart, not an idiot. So um, yeah, I, I don't I love it. I love it. And sorry to keep interrupting you, Dave. I'm sorry. No, that's that's cool, man. I think I think it's a cool card, and anything that gets my Blitzwing on the board more, I'm in favour of because he, yeah, he languish, he's languished in the, in the binder for a little bit too long, so I think he might come back out soon. Okay, if I get you in the deck tech challenge, I'm going to call you a Blitzwing, sir. Fair if enough. I get you in the deck tech challenge, <laughs> there again, is a, I'm going to call it now. A gentleman by the name that he goes by Viral on the Build Bay Formers um, Discord uh, server, and he's the one that sets up a lot of the programming for TTS, for Tabletop Simulator, and he absolutely loves multi-change resilience. He's absolutely, I mean, it's like every time he plays Blitzwing, it's like, I'm playing Blitzwing, and I don't care if it's ATP or not or whatever, I'm playing this damn strategy and what you guys like it or not. And he just flips over that damn thing. <laughs> Again, you know, it, as long as, my perspective is, as long as it's not a tournament and everyone agrees, just play what you want to play, because at the end of the day, these characters, particularly Blitzwing, need, needed a bit of love. You know, I know the card you want me to talk about, Lee, but I'm actually going to talk about a different one. What? Maybe we'll, yeah. What? I actually, I, I want to talk about Ragnarok's Herald. Oh, okay. Okay, that's not too shabby, but I'm just, I'm, I'm going to say it now. I'm not angry, Dave. I'm just very disappointed. Just, just, just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, we'll come back to that one. I, wanna, I, wa I want Eddie to talk about the one that we'll talk about. We'll t we have to come back to that. But Ragnarok's Herald is for Grimlock Powerful Commander. Now, I think the entire world 
is in agreement that Volcanicus was a bit pants. He wasn't very good. He was really hard to to get work. And he's one of the characters that I have to hold my hand up. I don't actually own all the bits of Volcanicus because I haven't chased them because he was crap. But I think this card that Eddie has designed, the stratagem, can possibly change Volcanicus and make him playable. And I like that, you know, Eddie's already touched on this earlier in, in, in the interview, cannot be played with other stratagems that increase health. Your Dinobots have plus two health, so it can't be used with Weefix. We've already established that. Um, your Dinobots in bot mode have, when this attacks, you may choose a Dinobot you own from outside the game, put it in the carrier KO area in bot mode. Right off the bat. Bot. Amazing. Bot mode. Um, this replaces his normal ability. His normal ability. So good. So, yeah. Eddie, talk us through, man. Like, how did you come to the conclusion? And at what point did you think they need to go in on bot mode? There is no secret that Volcanicus needed help. They were utter trash. And disappointing because I actually love Dinobots. I was never a big fan of them combining. However, we're here. We got it. We have Volcanicus. And Volcanicus, in and of itself, is cool. Just really, really dismally poorly represented in the card game. And this helped address a lot of the issues. The main issue was the sheer dependence on Grimlock. Once your Grimlock was dead, your chance to combine the Volcanicus was pretty much over. It, it, it wasn't just chance to combine, it was game over. They much. were under health for what they, for their costs, for their abilities, for what they, who they were. They're Dynabots, man. They're supposed to be tough and resilient and be able to take a pound here. So that's where the first clause was giving it an additional plus two hit points overall. As mentioned before, I had to reword the stratagem so it couldn't work with other stratagems that increased uh, hit points because Ragnarok Travel plus we fix it was utterly broken. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Absurdly. It's like, Dan, you ever see this? Ban the damn card and, you know, ban that player as well too. I'm saying that right now. Don't ever allow these two ever to go together. They de- they definitely don't want ever to see the same table space. I I, I think We Fix is really cool for um, like Wave One Dinobots, and that's a really that's a, like an auto include. I think if you're going to play those Dinobots, this is much more targeted for Volcanicus. Yeah, this is intended. <laughs> this is strictly meant to work around Volcanicus. The idea the ideal setup was uh, Wave Two Grimlock, Wave Two Swoop wave one sludge because by the time you attack with your third dinobot you'll have all the other dinobots in the ko area in bot mode and you're ready to transform you're ready to flip it to volcanicus uh, because this combined with the enigma combination makes the volcanics team a lot more threatening a lot more devastating than what they originally were to the point where they are the quickest team you could combine into Volcanicus, into the combined mode. By your turn four, you're ready to combine. And I think I think that, that it should be. You know, they were the rare combiners. They were the hardest ones to get. And like I say, I don't I don't even have them all. I've got three out of the five, I think. I've got a fourth on the way from a friend. And it's like they, they, they were just, it was just a, a joke, wouldn't it? You know, I, I looked at Volcanicus and I'm like, it's a joke. Like why is this so hard to do? 
And I think if you can do this on turn four, your turn four and then swing, and you know, if you've got Jurassic Punch as well, oh, oh. Jurassic Punch was a little harder to pull off. Jurassic Punch, you would have to switch out Wave 1 Sludge for the other seven, I think it's a seven point, the seven star cost Dino, Wave 2 Dinobot. It has its pros and its cons. I tell you now, Eddie, it's making me want to get that Grimlock because I don't, he's the one I don't have and that I need to chase now. Lee, what do you think, man? Because I think, I think this is what he needed. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It, I think Eddie and all of us keep addressing it. Like Volcanic is his trash. He he is the king of trash. Um, I think I think um, Springer Wave Two, and I'm even going to say Blitzwing will probably be trash. But now Blitzwing's been a little bit redeemed now. But um, yeah, Volcanicus was just one of those where you looked at it and you were like, oh, if if I didn't understand like toys and comics and stuff, I would not have re- understood why they did that. Because to me, the Dinobots, I I never seen. I'm like Eddie. I would never see the Dinobots as a combiner. I know Volcanicus is a thing. I know there's a fan thing, and everyone loves him. But to me, Dinobots are just dinosaurs. They shouldn't convert to some giant thing. But this addresses the big elephant in the room, where it's just makes him playable. Like starting with one Dinobot in bot mode already, and with what Eddie just said, like you can combine if you get everything right on turn four, you're living the dream which all combiner players want, which is to play with a giant robot that can combine, you know, and just wreck face, which is awesome. And cool name. What, what more can you ask for? Like Ragnarok's Helm. Love it. Absolutely love, love it. Absolutely love it. So, because my co-host decided not to talk about it, I want to talk about it just because we both love this character. So, Eddie, can you can you talk about Kaiju Complex for me? Yeah, yes. I was hoping you guys talked about him. Ah, oh, Kaiju See? Complex. See, Dave, you let Eddie da- No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. Trypticon I'm sorry. Is, amongst, <laughs> is amongst one of many cards in the entire TCG that he needs help. Just like... Volcanics needed help, just like uh, Firecons needed help, uh, just like the Enigma-based combiners needed help. Tripticon needed a bone thrown in his direction. Um, compared to Metroplex, he was... he felt left lacking. Fort Max further solidified that final nail into the coffin. And even Scorponok, which was an amazing design, makes Tripticon look like a freaking chump. I'm aware I'm not the only custom card group creator that has made a stratagem for Trypticon and I didn't want to again step on their toes or create something that they've already made. Uh, The first version of Kaiju Complex worked very similar to what Ark had for Trypticon and I didn't like that idea. I didn't want to create another Trypticon oriented villainous spotlight. It kind of I don't know, I'm just, I want to try something new. I want to try something different. That's the whole purpose of reformatted. I want to try something new, something different, and without making certain cards obsolete, uh, or having to remake a new card altogether. And that's where this version of Kaiju Complex came in. Kaiju Complex added hit points to uh, Trypticon, which he sorely needed. It made it so that, like Enigmas, you don't have to wait for it to draw the card, 
it put a battlefield incursion from your deck into your hand. You still have to play battlefield incursions, obviously. And it also added one copy of Real Endless Invasion into your deck, ignoring its star cost. On top of ignoring its star cost, it also gave it a green pip icon. So it made it easy for you to get in case you happen to flip it during battles and help address the situation where you now have all the key cards or key components much easier, much more accessible to the player so they can take full advantage of it on itself. In playtests, it worked a lot better than I thought it would because the way it looks on paper, it's like, yeah, I gotta wait for the draw this card, I wait for this. But certain decks built around Trypticon were made to flip a lot of cards so you'd see cards more often. And now that Realist Invasion has got a repip, it made the odds of it putting go to your hand much, much more um, feasible, much more frequent, um, which is what the whole goal was. That That's completely what it needed as well. Like, Relentless Invasion is one of those cards that when you play it, it can be back-breaking, but you might only see it once in every five games. So to have it having a green pip is really key. I've played a lot of Trypticon since it was printed because I was desperate pre-Arc stratagem, pre-Your stratagem, to make him work, and he was crap. There's, there's no other way. Like, like you say, he <laughs> fell down uh, in so many levels compared to his Autobot counterpart, Metroplex. And then with Fort Max and, like you say, Trypticon, God, even even promo Omega Supreme could probably be be better than 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 pre-strategy. It's so sad to hear like, that. It's so, so sad. Like, and it, it, it was. It was sad. He was a sad dinosaur. Plus three health takes him to a acceptable level. You still get your one. You only get one relentless invasion, so it's not like you're whizzing three round with a green pip. You've only got one, um, and just guaranteed. Very much like the Archon was a like guaranteed deploy. You've taken it a slightly different route. That it's not a free deploy. You've got to still take your action up for that turn. But if you know you're going to have it in your opening hand, you just go. I'm going to go second where I'm given that opportunity to do so, and play that as your card. So. I, I really like it. It's a different take on this very similar similar idea. I like it a lot. Lee, you will see this. We will. We will I will yep. have my vengeance yeah. in this life or the I next. I know. I know. <laughs> this time on I know. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I know. Um, no, I really love it. I feel like we should um, have a hilarious reformatted versus arc battle, bro, because we've already done it with the ATP and the arc now. Now we might just need to bring out the reformatted versus uh, arc stratagems, bro. Uh, a Trypticon off. I'm 100% down for it. Yeah, no, we I, could I do love that. this card. So long as I can still play oh. Resilience, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> man. Exactly. Um, it does, it's exactly what um, Eddie, Eddie said in describing this card. It does something a little bit different to what, obviously, Scouting Mission does for what the Ark intended Trypticon to do. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be too negative because I love the guys from the Ark, but this artwork is better! <laughs> Just saying! Like, come on, man. You need to have a T-Rex on the stratagem art. Come on, guys. Please. It's sad it Panda's episode. No. Art. It's a, it's a, it's a spicy piece of art. Spicy. It's really cool. I, I, I think, you know, you're set, Eddie. What, what you set out to do was address some of the issues within the metagame, in the case of Titan Masters and Pierce. Make the combiners a little bit more fun to play with. I think you've set out 
you know, what you set out to do, I think you've achieved. Like the signature upgrades feel really cool to me. The stratagems feel really cool. You know, listeners and, and viewers and Lee will reinforce this. Download Eddie's set. It is cool. I, I think I want to I want to quote Eddie because he already said it on this show and I even wrote it down because I think it's perfect for what this set is. Uh, Eddie said he wanted to make old cards great and that's the whole purpose of reformatted and I feel like he's achieved that with this set. Like, hands down, looking at all the strats, it addresses old cards that needed love. And even with the battle cards, it gives combiners a lot of love. And even and even when he said he didn't want to do characters, he's gone that extra mile to say, hey, I want to take a stab at the characters and done something different, which is very ballsy when it comes to card design because you'll either... Like like what Wes was talking about, you're either going to get hit with criticism or praise, and sometimes you know it's a mixed bag. But man, the, there's some keywords in here that are great. Like the restricted makes sense. The weapon trait for the characters is really cool, and yeah, I feel like we need to make a combiners tournament. And these are mandatory cards that people need to put in their decks to play. I feel like that should be a thing, Dave. I'm just saying. And if we ever play combiners, it's also a mandatory thing to put okay, in our decks. Then. <laughs> I think it has to. I, I think that's something that we're very keen to do here in the UK, and I'm sure Eddie, you're the same. In Florida and that, you know, when COVID. Has been brought under control and we can. I, I want to do the biggest UK event. I want to collab with Nick and Salty and Ads. I want I want us all to get together in location. Me, Yuli, BOA, all the other UK UK players. And we'll do something because we've. I, th- I think we, you know, these sets deserve that, that spotlight, and to be able to play something in in person. Because let's face it, it has been hard. I think we should. I think we should field a couple of questions from 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 the viewers and that, and then we'll, you know, yeah. You know, so thank you, Eddie, thought- for your time today, man. Like it's been really yeah, cool. Man. So before we get into our uh, viewer questions. Uh, uh, Eddie, have you got any questions for Dave and myself? What inspired you to do all these podcasts? The Void. Um, I feel I feel like when we were doing Transformers TCG content, there were a few podcasts that I noticed when it first started, like the City Speakers. Uh, obviously, Blues on Attack do their Blue Talk. And I, coming from a radio slash podcast background, I wanted to bring that to my channel, but also to the community. And I feel like with the resurgence from this game is not going to die till all are one, um, it just it seemed right to bring it back. Like Mike and me enjoy doing the podcasts, but there's only so much you can talk about sometimes instead of constantly going, oh yeah, um, we'll talk about this list, we'll talk about this tournament, which is great, don't get me wrong. But it was just rinse and repeat the same stuff over and over again. And with the game at such an interesting point right now where we're getting... Uh, fans creating sets that we get to interview we get to talk to to other people who listen to our content to, to talk to card designers to talk to people who create new modes for the game and just to talk about where the game is now is just a really exciting time and i wanted to bring back one shall stand one shall fall and um i think the big testing point was when we were gonna do the arc uh, when we did the ARC review, I wanted to just do it as a solo thing, but bring it out as a podcast thing. But because we got such 
good community feedback through the videos as well as through Podbean and stuff like that, I knew we needed to bring back the podcast. And I knew with um, Dave being a part of that podcast, we just had a really good chemistry. And yeah, that's why it's back. Um, I think I think Dave would probably agree that we've got a bit of a hilarious bit of vibing going back and forth between us. Like we've got a good good bit of banter and um yeah uh, i'm just i'm excited to do more in the future your thoughts dave yeah like well you asked me didn't you if i'd like to guest on the arc review because i did the alpha trial protocols one set review on my channel on my own and it's a lot harder to review stuff on your own because there's there isn't the banter and that and it's quite analytical and quite clinical and like you say, there, there was that chemistry between me and you. We were lot, you know. There's a lot of laughter when we record. You know, there's a banter, and and there's all kind of those um, movie tropes being thrown in and stuff like that. You know, it's it's cool. Like f- from my perspective, I've always really liked analysing stuff, whether it was a magic set or an X-wing release or Transformers cards or whatever. I've always liked looking at stuff in a bit more detail because when you're recording gameplay content, you don't really have that sort of time because you're focused on what you're doing in the moment you're focusing on the game and it's quite nice for me to have a kind of like a different slant on sort of the content and I've you know like you say the chemistry has just been there and the community have really engaged with us haven't they yeah they've been amazing like 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 Drew said and like before the game dies this has been one of the best communities I've been a part of it's been bloody awesome to quote my yeah. English, <laughs> English yeah, language it's, there. It's been, it's been ruddy brilliant, it has. It's been ruddy brilliant. Phantom, ruddy brilliant. No, I think, you know, I think the community, like yourself, Eddie, and, you know, we've had Matt on, we've had Wes, we're talking with Salty. We've had lots of engagement from the community. Um, you know, we've had loads of, not just people that are making cards, we've had people asking us questions to pitch to the interviewees, you know, from from my local player base um, here in Plymouth and to the wider community, you know, Michael Santino, who's also a Florida native, I believe he's been in touch with you, Eddie, about like hooking up at some point when COVID allows. It's it's amazing. That's that's why I'm doing, you know, for, for myself, you know, along, you know, digress a lot. That's why I'm doing this, because I love being part of the community. Yeah, and this this whole podcast idea is we want to be a voice for the community. So we want to voice the community's like praises, issues, all that stuff, because we want it to be engaging as mo- much as possible. That's what we want to do this. And going forward, we can only go from strength to strength, really. And it's super exciting. So, yeah, it's exciting, fun times. So, yeah, Eddie, when you create more random awesomeness, you are more than welcome to come on here, old bean, old gent, and uh, have a cup of tea and talk about cards and stuff. I said, have a ready good chat. <laughs> have a ready <laughs> good time. <laughs> so, um, I believe, is there any more questions, Eddie, or is that that them? That main one was the podcast. Uh, the other was, uh, out of all the card games out there, what attracted you to Transformers the most. Ooh. Dave, do you shiny want to go first? robots. <laughs> shiny, shiny, shiny robots from my childhood. Um, I've, I've said it here on the podcast before, like I was down my local store, I'm a massive X-Wing player, I'm a big Star Wars fan as well. And I just saw two of my friends, Matt and Stu, playing with 
Optimus Prime. I think it was Grimlock or or something. Like I was like, "What's that you're playing? I want I want to play it now." And you know, a year and a half later, I own nearly everything, and my my wife is lamenting ever let me start a YouTube <laughs> channel. <laughs> um, it's shiny robots. The Transformers TCG captured my child. You know, it captured everything about my childhood that I love from those mid-1980s cartoons I used to sit and watch in the morning before school and I just had to play it. I just, once I saw it, I was like, I need to play this game. With with me, it was, I knew the game existed, but I wasn't 100% behind it in Wave 1. And I've been quite vocal about that as well on our podcast because Autobots shouldn't be kicking other Autobots. There's uh, like none of the Decepticons are incredibly amazing other than bugs, really, that you saw in Wave 1. So every time I saw any Transformers TCG like games or whatever, it was either like Optimus Prime fighting Grimlock or Grimlock fighting some other Autobot. And I was like, this isn't Transformers. They're supposed to be like good fighting evil. And then when Wave 2 got announced and they said we're doing Combiners and I saw Menasaur, I lost, well, let's just be honest, I lost my uh, my, my head um, and um, some stuff got thrown into a fan and I was like, I'm in. And that was the first uh, bit of uh, videos I ever did was me and my good friend D opening up boxes and going, hey, we're fully in on it. And he wanted to play Predaking and I wanted to play Menasaur. I know I keep bringing up, I know Predaking cards were rare or whatever, but I didn't want to play him. I wanted to play Menasaur more than Predaking. So any Constructicon stuff would come my way and whatever Predaking stuff I got would go to D. And we and then, and then I got addicted to it because Transformers it has been such a huge passion of my life going back to the TV series, to comics. And I seem to always get into car games that die. And I'm really depressed about that. Because I really got into Netrunner, that died. I really got into Game of Thrones, the LCG second edition, that died. And then I was like, I don't want to get addicted to any other card games. I, obviously, I played Magic and I've still got a few Commander decks that I build now and then. But I then was like, Transformers is amazing. And then that died. Well, technically it hasn't. It's lived on and I think it's in a better place than it ever possibly would have been. And... Um, and yeah, I, I just I just really wanted to just go, I want to play my favorite characters, kind of like Dave. I just want to play my favorite giant robots against other people's giant favorite robots. I think when a game has a unique mechanic in it as well, that can really turn a lot of heads. Like, I love Netrunner because one of you played a corporation and one of you played a hacker trying to find those corporation secrets. When you first played the game and like, you were just trying to figure out the mechanics, but then when you figured out the mechanics and started building your own decks, you you kind of took a step back and go, yeah, I can see myself like plugging plugging a USB port into my head and then just typing really quick on a keyboard and trying to hack and do all this other cool stuff and and yeah, you know, it's 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 just a ruddy good game. Yeah, we're gonna keep going back to that. It's a ruddy good game. So, any other questions, Eddie? What are the games you guys play besides Transformers? I've already said it about five times tonight. Uh, I play X-Wing. That's my competitive game. I play that a lot. Um, play Arkham Horror LCG with Claire and uh, another friend that's in our, what we, we, over here we call them household bubbles. So a friend of mine, Pete, he comes over once or twice a week. He's still allowed to under the current restrictions because he lives on his own. So we play a lot of that. I've got... I've got a lot of board games, Eddie. A lot. Like, I've run out of space for my board games. We need to buy some new furniture. Like, I play Scythe. I play Mansions of Madness. Star Wars Rebellion. Um, 
What did we get recently? That was really cool. Um, I've got too many. I've, I've, I've run out of space in my cupboards for board games, so we need to buy some more furniture. <laughs> so, yeah, but mainly X-Wing. X-Wing's the other game I take um, a great interest in. But I also do a lot of RPG stuff, or I did prior to COVID. So, you know, we're a, we're a live RPG group that meet in my house. Um, we talked about meeting online, but we just felt the vibe wouldn't be there. But we play a lot of Fancy Flights uh, Star Wars RPG. Um, and we had a campaign going on for in excess of two years prior to COVID. And now we're sad because that story is on hiatus. So yeah, that's me. Lee, you, you played tons as well, don't you? Yeah, so my, my background is kind of from miniature gaming. So for me, I played a game for a very long time called War Machine. I still play it now and then. Um, but the whole thing with War Machine was you had to understand what was current in the meta and then adapt your armies to it instead of saying, I want to build something fun and try it. And that used to be what War Machine was to me personally, was like you could build an army and have casual fun games, but now it's a very focused competitive game. So I've kind of drifted away from it a little bit. I'll go back and play it eventually at some point because I do enjoy it, but yeah, I've, I've moved away from it. Um, I'm, a, I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm really huge into my miniature wargaming. I've just started 40k again. Um, our household that me and my housemate um, play, we're, we're huge into board games, kind of like what Dave said. Um, I'm like a tool of all trades. If something's cool, I'll probably get it because I'm kind of like a, a geek like that. If it looks cool, I'll get it. If, so, if one of my friends gets it, there's no point me getting it. So... Um, like a lot of miniature games I'm, I'm huge into at the moment is Bushido, which is a small skirmish game, which basically you take a f small force of either ninjas and samurais or like undead kind of mythical creatures and loads of other weird stuff. That's all based in like Japanese kind of style. And you fight uh, over an X amount of turns to basically duke it out. Um, content that's coming out on my channel very soon, Imperial Assault. I freaking love Star Wars Imperial Assault. Um, and I'm doing a campaign on this channel, so guys, look out for that. It's it looks freaking awesome. Not to blow my own trumpet, I'm really really happy with how it's looking. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm I like doing a little bit of everything. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a, a geek, like a huge like board game geek. Like you can you can sell me on on the crappy board games, and you can also sell me on hey, let's sit down and all of us are going to play Twilight Imperium for the day. You know, I'm that kind of guy. So um, yeah, I absolutely love it. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so, Dave, do you wanna do you wanna uh, go to the first uh, in the Teletran, should we say? From the secret files of Teletran 2, in the days of Megatron, Decepticons developed the art of espionage using cassette. I think we, we've we've kind of scraped a lot of these questions as we've been talking about your design for the set. This is from your Florida buddy, uh, Michael Santino, and he says, "What did you see as one of?" or if not the biggest weaknesses to the Wizards of the Coast design combiners. Also, what was your primary hope to change this to combiners as a whole with the reformatted set? The biggest weakness that they had for the combiners was the Enigma mechanic, uh, how they implemented it, um, how the sheer dependence on that card would make or break those combiners, uh, considering especially we had cards that could scrap cards from your hand. Like in the same set, we had Espionage and a plethora of other cards that can get rid of scrap cards from your hand or the notorious um, Chrome Dome, which now KOs cards, actions from your hands. And that would put a damper on 
what it was to be an Enigma-based combiner. It, it hurt. It hurt them big time. Combining is basically another mode, and the fact that instead of flipping to that mode, quote-unquote, it relied on using up an action for the turn to combine, also further drove that dagger in further than what it should have. And I wanted reformatted to give people an option beyond that so they can play their favorite combiners at a semi-competitive level while still enjoying what it was to play combiners at a fun level as well. Yeah, and I think your enigma of combination addresses that massively, like we've already said. I think, you know, if you want to make them a bit more competitive, give Eddie set a, a, a spin, because I think that that enigma alone makes them viable. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've I addressed it on several sets we've already reviewed. The one thing that I hated that Wizards did for the designing of combiners was like, cool, you get to eventually combine, but you're not going to be at full health like a combiner would be in the show. Um, you're probably going to be missing an arm. Uh, you've probably got a few holes in your chest because one of the guys is damaged severely. Uh, you weren't going to be the combiner that you should be. Uh, and um, I felt like that's why they just weren't that great. You would literally form to this amazing guy, but then if you were playing really aggressive decks, you would just die pretty much as soon as you combined, which kind of was, you know, wop wop wop. Next question uh, is, um, I've seen you and the other folks uh, doing alt art cards. This is from Blaze, by the way. Uh, and he says, as I want to fill my collection with rarer cards, I thought it might be cool to get them printed. Is there a chance that people will make alt, alt card versions of original cards? Maybe something like commission work if uh, none um, is working on a free set. That's very hard because that's very copyrighty <laughs> I think go for it there exists a possibility yeah, that commission work may come into play but the minute you involve commission work the Watsi will probably unleash their Sharktacons aka their lawyers and say uh, no no if you're making money off of this uh, that's a big no no I don't think so the odds of reprinting older cards with newer art, the chances are very low. I've been designing some some for personal use only. So like I've been making, you know, we touched on this prior to recording. Um, you know, I've been making a few bits and bobs just to make it so I can have multiple decks built at one time. It, you are running the gauntlet, Lee, aren't you and Eddie? It's, if what Watsi are renowned for any infringement upon their IP, they will come down hard. You know, they kind of turned a blind eye to the fact that we, we're making fan sets or, you know, yourself, Eddie, and, and the Ark and that are making fan sets. They kind of turned a blind, blind eye to that. But if you start replicating their IP, like, in its original form, they're going to get a bit twitchy, I think. Oh, yeah. And the minute money becomes a bomb, the minute you start making profits of any which way, that's it. It's game over. Yeah, I, I feel like... It's kind of interesting because I know whenever I went to like a, um, a Fantasy Flight based like Game of Thrones card tournament, they would have alt art cards. And I know it's the similar with X-Wing as well, isn't it, Dave? They would have alt artwork for uh, original cards that are already in there. But like you are going to be interestingly 
creeping along the lines of, oh yeah, come to our tournament. The game is no longer dead, but hey, my mate did this really cool drawing of Grimlock. It has the same stats as the Grimlock and all the other bits and bobs that aren't, you know, what we created. It's what Wizards did. That's where the line gets really, should we just say, Robin Thick blurred lines. Yeah, it gets very, very blurred. Like, it, it gets very, yeah. very interesting. Like, X-Wing, the community's always been, like, you know, we've made them for our own install leagues and stuff, fan-made alternate arts. And FFG kind of, their line was like, it's fine for you to make these, we know it's a big part of the community, but do not charge money for them. Because if you charge money, then then we have to come down on you. So I think if you're going to make fan-made Transformers cards like I have myself, and they will be featuring on my channel soon. Um, they are for my own personal use. I'm not going to be distributing it. It's for personal use only, you know? Because it is a very, very gray area. And, and like, I personally don't want a lawsuit being filed against me. So that's, you yeah. know, I think that's why we've not I feel like it. it's, it's interesting. It is. Yeah, because I feel it's interesting when it comes to like playmats and stuff like that. Like, you can have someone commission playmats and do stuff like that because, you know, like there's no IP behind designing your own playmats. And when we were going to do a tournament, probably this, wow, it's last year now, it's 2021. Uh, Mike and me were going to have the idea of having custom made playmats for people who finished high in the, the top eight and stuff like that because we wanted to not make, oh, yeah, cool, get this different old artwork, which probably will get us in trouble with wizards but they can't tell us off for oh yeah we commissioned this art guy to do some really cool artwork for a tournament that involves our logo and some fun stuff like you can't really you know get into trouble for that but yeah it's very blurred lines yeah right have we got any other questions dave i'm trying to look so the next one on the list was from nizumi um, and his question to Eddie is, how do you choose which characters you want to work on? It's a tough process. There's a lot of, kind of like a chalkboard, you put on what do you want, and then what that want becomes, what do I need in this set? And that need becomes, what actually fits into what you set. So the list gets smaller and smaller as you put chop down what's gonna be put into the set. Mainly it's iconic characters you want to see show up again. Uh, or characters, for example, in Reformatted, uh, the original intention wasn't to make any characters at all. Then that became a list of like 20 different characters that are, all right, this should be cool if we put it into the set. Does it fit with the Reformatted? Yes, no. And as the chopping block came down through, I realized that 20 became three. And I'm like, all right, I'm keeping it at that. That's at minimum. And it fits with the design theme, what I had it with in mind for reformatted. So it's not an easy process. There are, there are some ideas that make it through, some ideas that do not. Some ideas that get pushed on to later sets, uh, which is what crossovers came out to be. Uh, some ideas that get pushed out to what the next set's going to be uh, after uh, reformatted and crossovers. You know, you've probably got a million ideas in your brain and just trying to, you want to get them all out there and, and you just can't really do that in in one set you know so it's, but it's kind of cool though as well because like ideas you've had that may may not have made the cut this time can make the cut in future sets so that's cool some ideas may be good in your head but it may not be a popular um may not get a popular reception and a lot of reformatted uh especially crossovers 
gives you a good idea on what direction you may want to see yourself pull towards, especially when it comes to what people like, what people are less receptive to. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely intrigued by the crossovers just because I know I've seen glimpses of Dave showing me the files of the the Ecto One because obviously I know that toy very very well. It needs to be added to my collection. He's actually one of the ones um, that got a lot of. Um, he st- he started off as a joke to be honest, and it received so much feedback, so much reactions from it. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should make crossover sets and see how this turns out, and that's what expired crossovers so i think a lot of my other questions that, that I, I did write a lot of questions i think we've kind of gone through a lot of them but one one of them that i wanted to ask was what was your play testing like you know was there many significant changes was it a large group of players you play tested with or was it just like yourself and and one other fella you know play testing was a nightmare i'll admit uh florida was a very 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 active state when it came to the game and COVID put a damper in a lot of it. Florida is, is a type of community that tries to actively play games that are supported officially by a company and when we saw the slow decline because of COVID and then the news that got dropped on July 20th the activity Florida dropped down significantly. I went from having, I want to say, eight different counties that were active to maybe three or four players in the entire state that are active. So playtesting was between <coughs> trying to find local players like Michael Santino uh, to I even had a playtester all the way from, from Poland uh, and another gentleman um, from Europe that actually helped with the playtesting. And playtesting wound up being between me, a former member of my group, and two other players. So it was rough. It was rough to get it get it going, um, get it enough games in to make a significant difference, and to get proper proper playtesting done at a level that I was happy with. It was, it was not an easy process. It took months and months and months of playtesting and rewarding, seeing what the impact would have, and asking people, playtest the cards. Don't judge it by what it looks. Judge it by how it plays. And that helps a lot in the process, but it was lengthy. It was definitely lengthy with a small team. That's, that's, good. that's always good to, to understand about like the uh, the aspect of playtesting, because obviously uh, we talked a little bit about it with Wes and also with uh, Matifer in the Ark, and I know for a fact with the Alpha Trion protocols and me being a part of some of the testing, not all of it, um, it goes through a lot of iterations, and, uh, and something that you love and really uh, you are passionate about can get slammed, but then you eventually find that the right version that everyone likes. And, and and I think Wes put it really well in the last last episode, well, not the Netflix review, but uh, episode 14, when he talks about, like, just to, just to deal with criticism in the, in the right response, in the right way. And, and I think it's exciting. I think it's great. I'm really, really looking forward to more of the shenanigans that you're going to pull, sir, because... You've you've already converted Dave and me to playing come back in, looking at combiners again, which is great. Um, so I'm excited to see see what this whole crossovers thing's about and uh, what uh, the rest of your uh, 
sets have uh, in the not too distant future. Have we got any more questions, Dave? There's one really important question. This came in at the 11th hour, so Eddie's not seen this yet. And this is from Matifer. Hey, speak of the Canadian and he'll rise from the Canadian Alps. That's it. Love it. He, he, his question, Eddie, is who is your favorite Green Lantern and why is it not Guy Gardner like it should be? <laughs> You should be fired for saying that, for saying Gargano. <laughs> Believe it or not, my favorite Green Lantern is Hal Jordan. I really do like Hal. Yeah, uh, of course. Good job. Hal Jordan Good was, job, Hal. despite the fact that he's the forefront of the Green Lantern right now, um, he's the one that pretty much introduced the whole world of Green Lantern to me. The whole Lantern Corps, the whole Lantern everything. And if it wasn't because of the stories around him and the people that got inspired to become lanterns because of him, um, he was to me was just like, right, this guy, this guy definitely isn't just just the face of the Green Lantern Corps. He is the reason why people get into the story, get into what is the world of the Green Lanterns, what's going on with them being protectors in the universe. Who are these blue little Smurfs that are their their heralds that they're you know, deputizing these people to do all this stuff. And what's the real story behind all this crap? Why are they blue? Why are they small? You know, so there, all these other questions that come up with how how the Green Lanterns came to be. How did the Orange Lanterns come to be? How did the Red Lanterns come to be? How did this whole Lantern shenanigan become to a whole thing? And it all started with Hal. So like, yeah, I gotta say Hal's the, the boy. How, Hal's, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to piss off Matifer, but why not Hal? Like, not just because he's had so many, like, you, you mentioned it a little bit, Ed, but there were so many amazing, significant runs I've read when Hal has been, when Hal gets possessed by Parallax is, like, that's insanity. Yep. Like, at its finest. Like, you see a man who is completely, you know, willing to lay down his life for good to completely do the polar opposite is, like, game-changing. It's incredible, but also, but also the fact I think Hal Jordan shares a lot in common with Captain America. Like, you, a lot of people will go to battle and fight for, for Hal because of so many different characteristics and features he has. It's just come on, it's Hal every single day, Matt. You're mad. It's crazy pills, man. Seriously. But hey, that's that's your personal opinion. Personal opinion. You're entitled to it, Matt. I love you, really, bro. I love it. I love how that curveball was just thrown in right right at the end there. I love it. Can't believe you just missed Guy Gardner. What's wrong with you, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, we need more. We need more hilarious like nerd questions like that. I love. I love nerding out about comics. I love it too much. All right. So, um, with that being said, then. Uh, I think that's going to be the end of this podcast, guys. It's another marathon. Always a marathon with us recently. Never, ever, you know, a short jog or a light dash or run. No, it's a marathon here. Uh, uh, one shall stand, one shall fall. Before we let everyone go, uh, I just want to ask, uh, what are people up to? What have people been up to recently and what they got planned in the future? So, uh, Eddie, we'll direct it to you. What are the what um what's coming down the pipeline uh, with uh, more of uh, your cards then, mate? What's uh, what's coming down uh, further for you? After crossovers, um, crossovers is kind of kind of an indicator of what I want to do after this next set that I'm working on now. Um, 
and depending on how popular certain cards are, depending on what universe are they expanded to. Uh, but the next set that I'm working on uh, is called Fallen Moon, which is a nod to High Moon Studios, uh, which were the creators of the Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron video games. It's a nod to them, uh, to the rise and the fall of that company, which I believe did an amazing job, except that Activision had their gritty hands into this and things got messed up, uh, which is why it's called Fallen Moon. Um, but yes, it is this big, big time nod to the iteration of those characters and those versions of like Jazz and Optimus and Bumblebee. And yes, we'll see a Fall of Cybertron Bruticus. Oh, I love it. Love and it. Something, and something else? Something else, big and white? There Maybe? is a strong possibility of seeing that version of Omega Supreme, that version of Trypticon, that version of Metroplex. Yes! And I can't give anything more because they'd be spoiling too much. That's perfectly fine. But Eddie, you know for a fact you've got two people here willing to playtest those lovely big titans. You know that for a fact now, bro. Don't, don't tell me with a good time. Don't oh, mate, bring it. <laughs> 100%. I love fighting giant titans. Bring it. Um, Dave, what is uh, coming um, down uh, on your channel? What, what, what What's coming uh, out for you? Just some more battle battle reports, really. Um, still waiting for ATP2 to arrive from, from China. Um, it's on its way. A slight delay with, with uh, uh, coronavirus and stuff, but... There's gonna be that coming soon, but in the meantime, just more Arc Wave One. I built, I built a deck yesterday of viewer request. We've got Grimlock, King Grimlock coming on the channel soon. Um, I built a boats deck after speaking to Wes, so I've, I've got Nautica, Sea Spray, and Sea Watch because I was like, if Wes can do it, I'm gonna have a go as well. Um, what else? What else? I built? Oh, I've built, I built Inferno, Red Alert, and Bumblebee, Bob. So that'll please Matterfur because I've got Bob. So yeah, yeah, just more battle reports, probably some debt profiles, depending on like time constraints and stuff. But what what have you got coming, dude? Because you're you're always a busy man. May I'm 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 super pumped. Like I, I threw out a teaser trailer for an Imperial Assault um campaign. Um this has been like literally two years in the making, like painting every figure, getting all the 3D terrain making everything look pretty, and then going, oh, yeah, COVID happened. So, yeah, maybe this is the time to start playing it. So, um, yeah, um, um, that is dropping incredibly soon. Like, that's probably coming end of January, uh, mid-January. Depends uh, how quickly I get it done, because um, I'm literally tinkering with it now. I'm, it's edited, it's put together, it's now just adding special effects with voiceovers and other stuff, which you might have seen a little bit in the teaser trailer. But yeah, and then also we've got some Transformers stuff coming. Uh, obviously, we've got the podcast still coming out. Uh, I've been playing a lot uh, on the Discord with Vector Sigma and their league. So I'm trying to uh, get some games recorded with a few of the guys on that. It's been a ton of fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm always a busy bee. So, you know, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, the main thing is the podcast and this. And hopefully I get to play Dave soon in the not too distant future. We can get a few more games on the, on the go, Dave. We'll sort it out soon. Like, definitely... In the evenings, once my children are asleep and they're a slumber, I can play. Exactly. When everything <laughs> is quiet and everything is peaceful. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'd just really like to thank Eddie for coming on tonight. Like, thank you so much, sir. Oh, thank you, man. Uh, again, it's been 
more, much more than an honor uh, and a privilege to be on here. Uh, I'm truly humbled that you've asked me to come along and do this. And I look forward to definitely doing this again in the future. Yeah, we're going to do crossovers next because I, I was hoping we could cover it all tonight, but I, it's just we love talking and we just couldn't. Yeah, so. you just noticed that. I was like, wow, this is a three-hour-plus conversation. I didn't even think it was going to take this long. We'll have you back on, man. Crossovers, because there's so much, so much cool stuff. It's only a small promo set, but there's some really cool stuff. But we'll put the, the link in again. We'll put the link in because that sets out now, isn't it? Yes, it is. This was actually a gift uh, to the community for New Year's. Uh, going into 2021 and it was officially released uh, December 31st it was and it's, it's awesome and there's some lanterns in there Massifer so you get those lanterns out and work out which one's your favourite I promise you Guy Gardner's not in there so uh, with that being said then it is a goodbye from me Lee and a goodbye from me Dave a good night from Eddie and yes uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of One Shall Stand One Shall Fall which I believe is going to star a fellow Brit from a bit of uh, feeling a bit blue, I think. Look forward to that in the not too distant future, guys. Take care. One shall stand, one shall fall.